Hello, I'm Richard Epcar, voice of Bato and Ghost in the Shell, and you're listening to the Toonami Faithful Podcast. Welcome to the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Argumento, and with me tonight is... The founder, who's sick, Paul Scroll. Quit, bitch, no one cares. And... <laughs> the real Maddox, the head samurai. And making his triumphant return... Your esteemed announcer, Jim Nelson. Who was not oh. in the intro. <gasps> oh my but, god! I know. You got replaced, man. We found Why this dude. Why did you do this? We found this uh, dude. His name is Richard Epgar. He's pretty. He's, he's new in the industry. He's not. He's not well known. But I think this kid's going places. Yes. How long? Did, how long did it take you to get him, Jose? Oh God. It's, we've been trying to get Richard on. Richard's a good buddy of mine. We've been trying to get him on since November, October. I feel like. I. I don't even want to know, to be honest with you. Like we've just been trying to get him on, and luckily it just worked out beautifully that we could never could. Until mm-hmm. now, so. Um, yeah. But anyways, we need to we need to get into the show proper. Yes, uh, we do. Please subscribe to us on Tumblr or follow us on Tumblr, like us on Facebook, follow our Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes and Podomatic. Rate the podcast, write a review on Podomatic and iTunes. We greatly appreciate that stuff, guys. Did, Thank you so much. Did you say rape the podcast? I said rape. Yeah. Did I say rape? <laughs> I think I heard rape. It's not rape if we're willing. It sounded like you said rape, though. It, it's, it's not rape if we're willing. <laughs> we Why know you how you can podcast. use words together. We here at the Two Name and Final Podcast do not condone Raping. rape at any way. Wait, <laughs> this is Paul's booty meat. <laughs> oh, Will you stop? I don't need to laugh right now, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to have a campy feel here, Darrell. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make you have a campy feel. So we are... <laughs> Not two minutes into the show, and the word "campy" has been used. <laughs> so it's the um, secret. It's the be. secret word of the podcast. So campy. now, ah! Ah! secret word is campy. I hate you guys. I hate you so much. <laughs> I need that voice clip from. Uh, Are we being so shallow and pedantic to you. Are we being I, too shallow and pedantic? I need that voice clip from um from F- Team Four Star. Just going, hate you, hate you both. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I thought it was like, I need that thing from Pee Wee's Playhouse where they just go, ah! Oh, I can get that sound effect in here too. Sweet. <laughs> Please don't. Anyways. This is this is Paul's part. Oh, um, so we're going to be part of Toracon. Uh, it's March 23rd to the 24th, Saturday and Sunday in uh, Rochester. It takes place at on the campus of Rochester Institute of Technology. Hopefully, our uh, faithful announcer will be joining me unfortunately i uh that will not be happening just because of the awkward timing uh from when i go to uh momocon and then when my manager comes back from his vacation so unfortunately the timing just does not work oh that's that shit i don't like unfortunately as much as i would love to and as much as i would melt in front of monica real um unfortunately it just cannot happen but there are other cons i'll be at solo unless uh the guys uh decide to join me and we somehow manage to get press passes to those events 
Yeah, not happening. This one was too much. <laughs> I'm tired, man. <laughs> exactly. Even the guys from MTech, are you coming down? Uh, no, we're doing MomoCon, and it's kind of like too close to it. <laughs> you guys have Steve Bloom? We, yeah, we, no. <laughs> we, had to, we had to sacrifice MegaCon, I think. We're not going to be able to do it. Yeah, but uh, I will. I personally will be at Anime Boston Memorial Day weekend, so... Well, I guess I'm going. I'm going to be solo at Toracon, so this should be interesting. So if I screw up, it won't be on tape. So if I screw up, oh well. Hmm. <laughs> I'm making no promises, but I'm looking into Anime Expo. I would love oh, to Los do Los Angeles. It. Yes, in Los Angeles. Ooh. Yeah, that's always like what Fourth of July weekend or something like that. Yeah, it's it's always in like July, and I'm looking into it. So I'm not not a hundred percent sure if we can even do it because. It's Los uh, Angeles. It's on the other side of the country. Uh, that that's all you, buddy. Because yeah. we, as you know, we have that other con that we're not going to talk about just yet. Hey, uh, Anime Expo, it. you guys are listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, inter- yeah, exactly. well, I know Cashron's going. So, oh, Eric Cashron, Vail, yes. I mean Eric Vale. Yes. Oh, wait a minute! I was about to say, was Luna dead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway, speaking of Momocon, uh, we we we've been teasing this for the past couple of weeks, and now I just feel really silly for not saying it in the first place. Um, but we're just going to go ahead and tell you what we're tr- going to try to do. We can't make any promises. Um, we are going to try to live stream the Toonami panel. As some of you may have seen, we have a live stream uh, site that we use. Live.toonamifaithful.com. Yes, that. Um, and we we we're big. We're big. Uh, we're big on the live streaming. Daniel has been doing tests with. Um... Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! We're big on doing live streams for us, not for other things. Let's get that out of the way, other please. Than Dead Space Three. Yeah, we live stream Dead Space Three. See, we're not just all about tsunami. We're all about you know other stuff as well, like yes. games and stuff. Yeah, we did and... a we did a camera test the other day and uh, wasn't great, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. So. There's a lot of there's a lot of hurdles, so we can't promise that we're gonna do it. Uh, we're looking into one if we have to get permission from the convention to do it. I don't see why they would say no, but we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and make sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also gonna go ahead. Uh, the other thing is the internet. We have no idea what the internet situation is at the Hilton Atlanta. It could be slow. It could be fast. We don't. We have no idea. Uh, and we have no idea what the room is gonna look like. Whether or not we need extra things it, it, it's going to be a huge uh just cluster, cluster it'll, because we're going to be finding this out as we are there yes, right. it'll be a production there will be no dry runs yeah it'll be <laughs> it'll be very much okay this is going or it's not i'm good and raw yep i wish i had just like Rel likes to... <laughs> um so so we're going to try our best it, it, it honestly the biggest hurdle is the internet we have to see what the internet situation is Guys, we're just going to try to make it as campy as possible. I hate you so much. <laughs> trying to make a serious point. <laughs> but the um, the other thing we have to mention is that <laughs> we are officially confirmed as press. We have our yeah. we got our press in, uh, confirmation. So, yay, we're press. We're going to be covering all of Momocon as best as possible because uh, there's only so many of us that have cameras. And uh, the crowd goes wild. Wild. Mm. And boom goes the dynamite. Uh, so we'll be co- uh, we will definitely be covering. Dynamite, you said? Sorry, we will oh, definitely sorry. be covering the uh, Steve Bloom panel. We'll be covering a couple of others. I don't I don't know the schedule. But we'll be covering stuff for the for the con as they were kind and, enough to give us uh, press and passes. We'll have some surprises which we're not going to tell you about just yet. Yeah. Yes, Darrell's yeah. going to play the butt trumpet. 
You're not supposed to tell yeah, people. That. <laughs> yeah, about that. You're not doing that. <laughs> well, cheeky bastard. Yes, sir. He's gonna. So, he's not gonna do it for Toonami Faithful, but maybe for <laughs> Toonami Faithful after dark. Yeah, baby. Which oh, I, which I know nothing about. Toonami Faithful Which I know nothing about. I've never actually been a part of Toonami Faithful After Dark since you guys started live streaming it. Yeah, I know. We really made fun of you on the first one, which was kind of funny. Kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, neither have I, but I there's nothing I have to live stream. I don't have the equipment to live stream. I'd love to live stream me playing Donkey Kong Country Returns, though. That would be cool. I could live stream actually some games actually, I have, but it's just like, eh, why? Well, when I live stream, I'm normally going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on. Moving on very quickly. <laughs> Segway. <laughs> Segway in a bad way. Um, <laughs> so that's everything about Bobocon. Um, one thing we wanted to kind of address, too, is you will see some ads show up on the Toonami News Twitter account. Um, please click those. That gets us money. <laughs> so just okay. by clicking, we actually get money for that. So... Go ahead and do it. And by the way, if you guys want to find out what sponsored tweets are, because you do make money from that kind of stuff, um, just make sure, you know, I'll put up a link if you guys are interested on the on our Twitter so you guys can actually sign up and try to make money yourselves, too, because it's it's an easy way to make money. So And a great way to stay in shape. Anyways. When you see him on Jose Argumento's account, make sure you click that, too. I get 34 cents. <laughs> Anyways, I've made a whole dollar. Wow. Gee, mister, can I borrow that dollar? I hope not. That's the only one I have. <laughs> That's what he has in his account, folks. My love like, and admiration. Like Jose is so fond of saying, I don't know what payment is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, feel free to click those guys because they do help us. They are Most of that's pretty much going to Momocon because this is the most expensive endeavor we've ever undergone in the history of the podcast so but it's important we but are doing this for great justice yes and for we're you. doing it for you and speaking of money segue yeah. um we also i wanted to remind you guys out there um i know a, a couple of you have actually been purchasing the cd still but um if you haven't purchased our cd which is nerdcore absolution uh you can go to tsunamifaithful.bandcamp.com it's still for sale um, there's also the remix single with uh, Steve Bloom, which is a dollar, and that one all that one goes to charity completely. Um, make sure you guys go out, you know, buy it. It's a really good CD. A lot of good artists are on it, and uh, yeah, play it for your friends. Use it as a ringtone. I mean, it's play I mean, it for your grandma. Exactly. Well, maybe not some of the other ones like Doomsday or uh, DBC well, Dubstep. Well, you know, he did, you know uh, actually he did say he wanted to make a girl into a sex slave, which something Paul really needs to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. But, uh, uh, you're I'm, lucky I'm sick. What you're I'm trying to say, <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is try not to play tracks that will give your grandmother an aneurysm unless you really need to get rid of her. For well, insurance money reasons. Yeah, I, I, I could use some money. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So go out and buy those things. Uh, and again, if you see an ad show up on Twitter, uh, please click it because it gets us uh, money. Gets so, us yeah. do re me, simoleons. And, uh, Duggets, greenbacks, yen, cornbread and cabbage. 
Um, and I guess with that, uh, it's let's... corned beef and cabbage. Jesus. I think you're thinking of uh, Darrell. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> as the as the resident Irishman from Boston, I figured I had to set the record straight. <laughs> but well, in, in my culture, it means something else. This conversation is totally irrelevant. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into the news. Now. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to do for the past twenty minutes. <laughs> From Facebook, Twitter, and the official Toonami Tumblr, this is Toonami News, powered by ToonamiFaithful.com. Okay, so we're back from that lovely, lovely intro that Jim did not voice live, because I'm doing that in post, f*** y'all. It's time for the ratings. Yes, the ratings. Does anybody have a... Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> like you even have to ask anymore. I've been doing this for how many weeks now? Bleach did one million thirty-three thousand. Naruto did nine hundred forty-six thousand. Thundercats did seven hundred ninety-six thousand. Samurai Seven did seven hundred twenty-seven thousand. Symbionic Titan did six hundred ninety thousand. Uraka Seven did six 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 thousand. Tenchi Muyo GXP did six hundred fifty-five thousand. Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood did five hundred ninety-five thousand. Bebop did 584,000. Bebop did 531,000. Inuyasha did 499,000. And Inuyasha did 462,000. And those are your ratings for February 9th, 2013. Yeah, I think uh, the winter storm we had up there, up here uh, last week might have had something to do with it. Because, right. um, yeah, because, I mean, there were people and, you know, uh, near the New Hampshire border that lost power. I don't know how many people in general might have lost power, but it's also been scientifically proven that shoveling snow makes you really friggin' tired. So, yeah, you so, should know, Shovel Meister. <laughs> yes, indeed. Three hours digging out the entire driveway. And we didn't even dig out all the cars. It was just one of the four. <laughs> um, yeah, the ratings aren't terrible, though, really. I mean, I know everybody's oh, freaking not. out, but... We, it's a bad well, you're week. You're the only one that presses the panic button. Oh, I always press the panic button. I'm always panicking even when the ratings are good. Um, panic! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those uh, ratings were horrible. We might not even have Toonami anymore. I know. We're not going to have Toonami next week, guys. You canceled us. Good job. Way to go. Way to, Way go. to drop the ball, folks. No, I think people are freaking out. I mean, we always see we see this all the time. Every time the ratings look slightly bad. It's 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 Darrell's fault because he always yeah. tries to. He always tries to have this campy feel for some odd reason. Yeah, that's stop right. That. Blame, yeah, blame, seriously, blame, that's it. right. Blame it on the black man. That's all I got to say. <laughs> blame it on the black man. But yeah, like people freak out in the forums and all the time. It's just like, guys, calm down. We had one bad week. I think we're at a point where Toonami's just not going to go away. No, it's not. Oh, not it's anytime not. soon. Not unless like all of us stop watching, which if you do, I will personally hunt down and kill every single one of you. And I will loan him one of my Zompok toe. <laughs> Jim, that was really sexy. Do it again. <laughs> do it again. That's not the. Do it again, do it that's again. not what he was going for. No, I was. No. Long live the king. Ooh, you know it. what? That just sent chills down my back. <laughs> Jesus. All right. All right. Moving on. Moving on very quickly. Trending. 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 I'm so, assuming uh, you have that. Yeah. So. This week we had a really weird week because instead of Bleach trending, Ichigo trended, U.S. Mm-hmm. Instead of yeah. Naruto trending, uh, Haku trended. Wait, I didn't so watch God. last night's Tsunami. Ichigo was actually on Bleach for once? 
Yeah, I know. Yes. I was about to say, Jose, God forbid the main character should actually be in the flipping show. <laughs> I know. By the way, oh, speaking of Bleach, uh, I did watch Hellverse because Viz sent it to me. I'm not reviewing it. Um, and while I wouldn't give it the most positive review, it wouldn't be a total thumbs down for me. It's decent. So in other words, it wasn't hell. So, yes, it wasn't hell. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, anyway, so, so what trended... So what trended was, uh, Soul Eater trended both U.S. and worldwide. I'm disappointed Blair didn't trend, though. Oh, yes, man. Uh, references I made about Blair. Um, Thundercats, Symbionic Titan trended. Yeah, U.S. I love the way you played it all, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the f*** up. Anyways. Love um, you. Eureka 7 trended as well, and so did uh, Tenchi Muyo GXP. And I believe Full Metal Alchemist was the last one that trended. And uh, also Toonami trended worldwide and in the U.S. So As did Soul Eater, right? Um, well, that's what I meant. Soul Eater did worldwide and in the U.S. Yeah. That was the first one to trend for the night. So And yeah. Soul well, Eater debuted last night, and I still haven't seen it. Yes. Shame you, on you, Jose. I have Just, it recorded. Yes. I'll get to it. He can't wait to see those pump, pump, pumpkins. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do not uh, get that reference. Oh, who is that? You'll get it. You'll get it. Maybe oh go watch the recording, Jose. I will. I have I have oh. I have another day. Leah Clark, that's who played uh that's who plays Blair. And, and I believe Yes, yes, yes. That's why she sounded so familiar. I get so many of these Funimation girls all messed up. Except for Monica Rial. Yes, yeah, Monica Rial doesn't sound like anybody. No, she sounds well, she sounds like Shiro. She sounds like Panny. Yeah. No, sorry, stalking. 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 Oh, God, I'm going to get crucified now. No, she sounds yeah, like Maki the Kunk. Jamie Marshy plays uh, uh, Stalking. Plays Penny. See, I did it too. Ah, Damn you, we're, we're getting crucified. <laughs> but anyway. See you in the uh, cross, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, actually, funny thing is uh, the two of them were I just, together. I, I'm sorry, and, I have to interrupt. Um, I just thought of something because of crucified. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I imagine somebody re- sending a reply to us in the Toonami mm-hmm. Talkback being like, repent, mother <laughs> <laughs> That would actually be pretty awesome. All right. Unfortunately, now they'll do it because I said it. Mm. So it's not as clever anymore. Well, then again, we I do stole your thunder them. assholes on Twitter. <laughs> we do encourage them, though, Jose. Yes. Sorry, you were saying I totally interrupted. No, it's okay. Uh, God knows I do it enough to you, so fair play, right? <laughs> but actually, uh, Jamie Marchi and uh, Monica Rial were together at Katsukan, and I feel so, so freaking uh, sad. I feel so sad that I miss them. My, Monica needs to come to Anime Boston. <laughs> Speaking of Katsukan, free plug, because uh, we did it all week last week. Uh, the One Piece guys are there. They're oh, the Ka- guys of the One Piece podcast? They And our... And our uh, our co-hosts Zach Logan, Steve, they're there. They are at the convention right now. So would you say they're Bastards. getting campy right about now? Actually, the convention's over at the, as of this recording, <laughs> so never mind. Yes, it is. <laughs> but um, notice how you missed that, Jarrell. Oh no, yeah, I, I, know, I right? on purpose because I'm tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you tired of being campy all of a sudden? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> the, the the One Piece guys, uh, they're there. So I hope you all went to go say hi to them if you were at Katsukan. And you can listen to the One Piece Podcast at onepiecepodcast.com. Because this is a campy podcast. <laughs> I will stab okay. you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stop. You're going to make me like start mucusing or whatever. 
eventually there's just going to be two people on the podcast, Jose and Jim, and it'll be completely boring because, you know, <laughs> we're both straight men and straight men don't work together well. <laughs> You're straight? Wait a minute. I'm sorry, what? Are it's a calling? comedy term, the straight man, you know? Oh, oh, you know, Paul, I definitely didn't think you were gay. That's not what I was implying at all. Why do you always have to go to the gay jokes? I mean, seriously. Because it's easy. It's super easy. <laughs> like your mom. Oh. Wow. Somebody got the wow. I know. That, I, that was a good one. Internet high five. You, internet high five. You must always think. My grasshopper, you must always think two steps ahead. That's what she said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how that one works. It doesn't, but I'm going with it. Oh my it. god, where did this go? Oh my god. This conversation went south, and not my girlfriend going down on me. Yay. <laughs> speaking, speaking of going south. What the f***? Okay. <laughs> Wait. Um, speaking south, of stuff going so south for the winter, Unfinished Swan went south for the winter because it's a <laughs> swan and it migrates south and it's winter. Yes. That's a segue. But the score didn't go south. No, what the was score. the game about, by the way? Because I, I was kind of confused. It's, it's kind of like a first-person puzzle game that kind of feels like Echo Chrome almost. I haven't played it yet, but... um, It looks uh, like... I don't want to say Elibits. What is that other game? No, that's not like Elibits at all. It, it looks like the Blob, where you're just painting everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although, the way it kind of looks, the general look of it all, it does kind of make me think of uh, uh, Echo Chrome as well. So, you know the one with the like the uh, you know perspective and stuff right. like that. No, no, no. I, I know, I know. Echo Chrome, and it also kind of reminds me of um, Mirror's Edge a little bit. I think there was a little blog platform, like yeah, because because there's downloadable content for Mirror's Edge that reminds me of Super Mario Galaxy. You know what? That game just reminds me of every other game. It doesn't remind <laughs> me of Swans. Yeah, but there is a Swan in the game. And if you guys follow me on Twitter, I went on a quick diatribe about Destiny, but that's another story. Um, We're using large words like diatribe, man. <laughs> our podcast yeah, audience isn't that smart <laughs> yeah, but I just, anyway I just insulted our audience yay <laughs> but anyway Unfinished Swan 8 out of 10 um, looks pretty good uh, it's pretty consistent with other scores I've seen on the internet so yeah uh, I want to play that I mean because I just finished playing Journey the other day and beat it in an hour but dude I really love fun. Journey man don't stop believing oh my bad never mind <laughs> oh, God. got me with that one I don't know, separate way, I don't know, uh, uh, separate uh, worlds, or separate ways, worlds apart, whatever the heck that was. Um, that's a, my favorite Journey song. But Stronger World. <laughs> that's a One Piece movie. <laughs> I brought it back to One Piece, motherfuckers. Oh my god, anyways. It's always about One Piece with you. It is, it has to be. If it's not, then it's just weird. That's yeah. what she said. Oh. Anyways. Um, well, I think we've, we're done stalling. It's time to get into the Richard interview. But before we get into the Richard interview, or in between the space, uh, we're going to have a geeky minute for you. Uh, this mm -hmm. one would be for Tiger, Tiger and Bunny. Tiger and Bunny. And you Take should go away, watch that Jim. review. You should Take it away, Jim. Take away Jim's voice. Why? It's my voice. No, it's Jim's voice. Why is it Jim's voice? I'm the one who did the review. Good, but I'm the one that did the damn intro. Oh. But it's still my review. But it's still my intro. You know what? That that We're going to have a street fight, Jim. That's, this is exactly what's going to happen. Hell yeah. Dial throw it down, baby. Throw it down right now. Finish Dial him. He goes with everything. <laughs> that, that's Mortal Kombat, Terrell. Finish him. Hey, it doesn't matter, man. They about to throw down a street fight, man. Bam. Uh, it, Speaking it, of which, I have to go look for that intro because I totally forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it goes to my point. Guile's theme goes with everything. Yep. You haven't seen those videos on YouTube? Oh, I've seen all of them. <laughs> Every single one. All right. Don't well, question. Anyways. I've seen them. <laughs> all right. Well, anyways, we're going to go to a break. And while we're, while we're on break, you will hear the Geeky Minute for Tiger and Bunny. And then we'll get into the interview with Richard Epcar. All right. Nah, 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 nah. This is a Geeky Minute powered by geekyinc.com. There's been a lot of talk about the complete lack of originality when it comes to new media. No genre is safe from this criticism, whether it be within action movies, dramatic television, or the genre we'll be discussing today, anime. Anime has, in my opinion, been especially stagnant as of late. With only a few bright spots here and there, anime is either impossible to penetrate, filled with world-building stories, moe stereotypes, and in general the same stories we've seen since 2005. And yet, Tiger and Bunny, while it doesn't fall into any of the aforementioned categories, is also completely unoriginal. It takes shamelessly from American superhero comic books and molds them together into what you see here today. But does it work? Suit up as we take a look at Tiger and Bunny. To watch this and other reviews, go to geekyinc.com and let us know what you think. I'm here with my buddy, Richard Epgar. Say hi to the people, Richard. Hi, people. It's Richard Epgar. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. No problem. Uh... And I guess we're just going to go ahead and run into the interview. Uh, this question gets asked a lot, so we get it out of the way right away. But how did you get started in the industry? Uh, well, how I got started in the industry was basically I, I, I'm one of the lucky ones in that I, I knew I was going to uh, be an actor. Uh, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So uh, my mom died when I was very young. She died when I was 15. And my sister took me to uh, see Goldfinger with Sean Connery, and uh, uh, which started a lifelong love of uh, James Bond and, and that sort of thing. And uh, I basically uh, was uh, fell in love with the movie, and I thought, well, I either want to be a spy or an actor. So thankfully for everyone, I became an actor. <laughs> um, and then the way I got into the, the voice business was basically I came to, uh, well, I went to, I went to college. And at the at the time, my stepmom tried to get me to uh, go into commercial art because she thought show business was a waste of time. And uh, the art department and the drama department were right next to each other. And uh, I really didn't want to be in commercial art. I wanted to be an actor. So one day I was walking near the drama department, and there was a, an audition thing for The Crucible. So I went in, and I auditioned, I got the lead. And the, the dean of the drama department called me into his office, and he said, look, he said, I want to put you on a full scholarship. I said, yeah. yeah. He said, yeah. He said, I said, well, what do I have to do? He said, well, you have to change your major to performing arts, and you have to maintain a B average. So I, I did that, and they paid for my, my college. Then I came out I came out to L.A. I'm sorry, this is like a long story gone longer, but I came <laughs> out to L.A. to be a camera actor, which I did. I did a lot of soaps and uh, television and, and some films. And uh, basically, uh, my my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, had done this little movie, and they had another movie that they wanted to replace everyone, the voices on. So she said, can I bring my uh, boyfriend to the audition? So I went to the audition, and the guy said to me, have you done this before? And I said, oh, yeah, I've done it a million times, and I never did it before in my life. 
and I auditioned for this thing, and I got uh, I got the lead in this movie, and I I revoiced the lead guy in this movie, and then after that they just really loved me, and they kept bringing me back to do a bunch of other stuff, and from there, I got asked to be in Robotech, and then from Robotech I just it exploded, and I went into everything, and then I went into directing and writing, and and uh, just uh, that's the way it happened. Just and that was many 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 years ago, but it just gotten better and better every year. Yes, good old Ben Dixon. Um, yeah, and Lunk and Grell and Captain Vince Grant. And uh, you've been on both sides of the booth, if you will, of ADR and voiceover. Uh, which yeah. one do you find to be more rewarding? Um, as, a, as a director or a voiceover actor, I should have said, sorry. Oh, as an actor or director? Yes. Well, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's kind of funny because I, I'm really, really fortunate. I love doing both very much. Um, and the thing is, when I'm when I'm doing a lot of uh, voice work, I kind of miss the directing, and when I'm doing a lot of directing, I miss the voice work. So I've been very fortunate in that I've been able to kind of balance the two out and uh, do both. Um, I love them both. You know, the thing about the uh, being an actor is you go and you, you're kind of a piece of the puzzle, and you create your part. And the director basically is the one who's creating the puzzle and putting all the pieces together and overseeing the whole thing. So. Uh, part of that appeals to me because I'm a control freak, so I like to, to have a, a say on what, what happens and, and be in charge. So that's kind of a nice thing, too. But, you know, basically the, my writing, my directing, my acting, I feel all come from the same creative spot. Oh, cool. Um, now, were you, how long did it take to become aware of how much people, how much of an impact you, you made with, to people with your role on Robotech? Uh, when did it hit you that, oh, this this affects people well I I gotta tell you it's funny because when we first did Robotech we, we were recording basically sometimes two o'clock in the morning at Intersound on Sunset and we'd go in there and people would be sleeping on the stairs and in the hall they had three studios there was two studios upstairs and one downstairs and basically you'd go in each you know they were in a hurry to get this thing done so you'd go in one studio and you record one episode, and then you'd run across the hall and you record the other episode. Then you run downstairs and record another episode. And we were doing that all day and all night, and for you know for several days. And I never thought much of it, to tell you the truth. I thought, well, this is a job, and you know whatever. And then about ten years after that, they had the ten-year anniversary of Robotech, and they called me up and they said uh, we would like you to come to this convention uh, in Anaheim. I said, uh, was I in that show? They said, yeah, you played, you played like four leads in the show. I said, I did? They said, yes. So when I went there, people were cheering like, you know, we were the Beatles or something. It was unbelievable. So, and so many people came up to me and said, you can't believe how much this show affected my life. And I joined the military because of this show. And all this stuff, you know, happened. And I just said, wow, this really does affect people. And it was really something. It was very eye-opening. And then years later, it's kind of funny. The same thing happened. I, I was auditioning for something when they redid the. Uh, they did. They didn't redo. They did a new uh, movie called Shadow Chronicles, and I had to audition for the the voice uh, or the role of Vince Grant. And I went in there, and they said, "That's fantastic. That was even better than you, you did it before." I said, "I did it before." They said, "Yeah." I said, "I did." They said, "Yeah, you did it in the Sentinels." I said, "Oh my God! I whatever." So. Anyway, I got that part, thank God, and uh, I got to play Vince Grant, and I really, really enjoyed playing him because he's a starship captain. Who wouldn't want to be a starship captain? So that was great, great fun, and uh, it's been great. And I'm still part of the Robotech world, and you know, every once in a while they call me in to do a game or another show or you know whatever, and they've been 
you know, they've been talking about doing a bunch more projects, but it's kind of tied up right now because I guess there's this live action uh, movie at Warner Brothers, which may be uh, coming out at some point. And I guess they have a deal with them to kind of stop production on all the uh, animated stuff until the movie comes out, which I don't really understand, but that's their the deal they made with them. So I also think there's something going on with the original Macross right now. Uh, I heard yeah. that was tied up in yeah. a lawsuit. Yeah, there's been all kinds of bizarre litigation over the years. It's kind of a shame because, uh, you know, basically the people who suffer are the fans, you know, the yeah. ones that want to watch the stuff and they don't, you know, they just want to see the stuff. And I think when you tie up this stuff in the courts all the time, then nobody gets to see it. And what's the point, you know? Right. Um, I mean, I'm a big Macross fan and Robotech fan, too. So, you know, I, I have the original I have and I have Robotech as well. And it's really, it's really tough to see, like, oh, I want more Macross, and I want more Robotech, and then nothing is coming out in the States, because it's just, it's tied yeah. up in courts, or deals have been made, and it's just, it's frustrating. Well, it's very frustrating for us, too, and, and this is the one thing that uh, I I kind of don't understand, you know, and I'm just kind of speaking out of out of school here, and I really shouldn't be saying this stuff, but my, my I, I'm, I, I'm frustrated, because I feel like they have this incredible title that they could... They could be as big, if not bigger, than uh, you know the uh, Transformer stuff, and they basically have sat on it. You know, they've kind of sat on their hands, and I don't understand that. I w would love it, and I, know, I all the fans I talk to would love to see more stuff coming out, and are waiting for it. I mean, it took 20 years to make this movie from the, the last time we did the yeah. series. You know, it's like uh, I just don't understand that. If it was my title, I would be making stuff right and left. You know. But uh, for whatever reason, they're not doing that. And I, I think it's kind of a missed opportunity. That's just my opinion. Um, now, onto a, a little bit of a lighter subject. You're also an, uh, an accomplished on-screen actor. Do you find the work on-screen to be more demanding than voice work or vice versa? Or about even? Well, I, once again, I, I, I love them both. Uh, acting on camera is, is something I really enjoy doing. Um, it's it's great fun to do it. Uh, there there there's some pros and cons to both. To be honest with you, um, you know it's I love doing the on camera uh, stuff. You can become a, a, a full character and use your whole body and your eyes and whole, all that to tell a story. Whereas when you're when you're a voice actor, basically you're relegated just to your voice. But the cool part about being a voice actor is you can be any character that you can you know create vocally. Whereas, you know, uh, uh, on-camera actor, you're basically relegated to the way you appear or, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, it's kind of, there is a lot of typecasting and on-camera stuff. And, uh, and basically, that's it. And, you, and for the most part, on-camera, unless it's something really, really drastic or different, you're pretty much playing yourself, you know, let's face it. So the fun thing about the voice acting is that you can be all these great, incredible characters. You know, you can be kings and gods and you know warriors and soldiers and you know i mean just all these incredible which you can do on camera as well but it's just it's a little different kind of a thing and it's just kind of fun you know so i, I love them both but uh you know when you're when you're working on camera there's a lot of downtime there's a lot of waiting around for them to set up shots and you're just kind of you know doing that stuff the great thing about voice voice acting is they, they give you a time you go in you do your stuff and you leave and it's really kind of you get kind of spoiled, to be honest with you. You know, uh, preaching to the choir with the downtime. Uh, yeah. Been on set, and waited for hours to do something. 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, and, it, and that can be kind of frustrating too. So, well, I've been I've been in the room with uh, with actors where you know we're we're I know what's going on on set, why it's taking so long, but I'm and I'm just like, and the actors are kind of raring to go. They're in they're almost ready to get in character. They're kind of almost there, and it's just like, wait, we still have another hour till you get till we'll actually need you. So you know, it's it's yeah. it's tough sometimes being in that room, just trying to keep them calm as a as a as an assistant director. Um, no, I just did some, something recently that's kind of a combination of the two. I, I did some mocap, uh, which was pretty cool, um, and that's and that you feel like you're an actor on camera again. And uh, but it was it was fortunate actually. That was one time it was kind of fortunate we had downtime because I didn't realize that they wanted me to have all my lines memorized when we did this. And uh, the first the first I, it was like the first day and I thought we we're just basically going to block it or something. I thought it was a rehearsal, to be honest with you. But they said, no, we're shooting this and you need to know your lines. So I the downtime was very helpful to me because I actually took that time and learned my lines and was able to do it, you know, thank, thankfully. So so that that was one time that it actually paid off to have some downtime. Um, now. What what have you considered to be difficult in the craft of creating new voices or you know, bringing up old ones? Um, I don't know. You know, I've been, I've been doing this so long now, uh, like 30 years I've been doing this and, uh, it's just fun. You know, I mean, basically you just have to be open to, to it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a weird duck. And I think that, you know, there's so many people that want to do this kind of work. But you get them in the booth, and they're just—they're terrible. And I—I uh, I don't know what it is. There's just something about this work that you kind of either can do it and run with it, or or you can't. And uh, and most people can't, unfortunately. And I know this because I've—you know—I've directed a lot of people, and I tried to get a lot of people breaks and bring people in, and just—it's just like pulling teeth. And sometimes the worst ones are the celebrities. <laughs> you know, they're really bad for some reason. They just are—they have no clue about any kind of voice acting because you know it's like it's like saying you're a dancer I'm a dancer and I'm a I'm great at ballet but that doesn't mean you can do kabuki dancing you know it's just everything's everything's different and that's the same with voice acting voice acting is very different than on camera and theater and it just it's a it's its own animal and uh, there's just a few of us and I think that's why you keep seeing the same guys over and over and over again. Thankfully, I'm in that group. <laughs> you, see the same, you see the same guys that are doing all the games, you know? It's the same guys, and there's a reason for that. The reason is those guys can come in and deliver the goods and, and do a good job, and, you know, the, they, they, believe me, they try all the time to bring in new guys, and it just, it's very difficult, you know? They just, people just don't get the hang of it for some reason. Right. The, the first thing uh, I usually see voice actors say is like you when they when they're giving people advice is you have to learn acting it's not just coming yeah. up with funny voices you know you actually right. have to go to acting classes learn acting it's not just oh, i'm gonna go be a voice actor you know and and that that is i feel a recent thing where a lot of fans want to be voice actors because because of the internet uh the publicity i think you guys are getting is much more than uh say back in the 90s or in the 80s uh, where where fans oh, can see, yeah, absolutely. Their fans can see you guys, um, and they see your face. Well, it's 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 weird, and I guess you know, people think that it's an easy way to make a living, and that it's fun, and it is it is those things 
sometimes, but it, it's also difficult. And the point from you know unemployment to being a working voice actor and making a living at this is 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 the job. I mean, that's the tough part. And breaking in and and being able to do it and and uh, having people you know hire you, it's that's the tough part, really. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's really interesting. My wife does this thing where we go to conventions, and she used to say to people, how many want to be actors? And, you know, a lot of people would raise their hand. Now, very few people raise their hand. She says, how many want to be voice actors? And, like, almost the whole room raises their hand. And it's just it's just kind of a weird thing. And I think people think that you can, that voice acting is really easy, that anyone can do it, and you can just, you show up with, you know, three-day growth, a beard, and, uh, you know, your sweats on, and you can just pop in the booth and, you know, say a few lines and make a few thousand dollars, and it it doesn't really work like that. But uh, you know, it's just kind of the—I guess—that's their perception of it. You know, and uh, it's—it can be very tough and very difficult. And like I say, you know, to make a living at this business is is very tough. And I'm, you know, thank you God, I'm one of the lucky ones. I, you know, I I work all the time. Yeah. And the other thing I think uh, the fans don't take into account is they want to dub. They usually want to dub anime. Usually it, it comes from the anime community. What they don't realize is that uh, you have to match a lip flap, which means you can't just yeah. say whatever you want, you know, unlike regular right. animation or video games. And they and I feel like that concept isn't driven enough sometimes. We're just like, what? No, I'm just going to walk into the booth and I'll get it exactly right on the first try, you know, and they have no sense of timing. Uh, you have any well, maybe the dub, advice? The dub, yeah. Well, the dubbing actually is is a lot more difficult than original animation or prelay, some people call it. It's uh, it's uh, very very tough because, you, as you say, you really have to you have to make sure that you're when you're doing the the lines of dialogue that it fits in those mouth flaps and that's in sync, and that takes tremendous skill. It really does. I find that people now the reason I kind of took to it right away was because I'm a drummer, and I find that people that have a musical background have an easier time of it because there is a rhythm to it and if you can find the rhythm and get into the rhythm of it you can kind of do it but you you not only have to put it in sync you have to do all the other things that an, that an actor normally has to do you have to make it sound conversational you have to make it sound uh, you know normal and and not like you're trying to fit it into the the the, the mouth flaps so it doesn't sound like you know it's uh, stilted and uh, you know weird and uh, so it's just it's, it takes a lot of craft. It takes a lot of uh, of uh, work to to make that to make a re- to make a really good dub because there's a lot of bad dubs out there. Let's face it, and I think we've all seen some bad ones. But uh, you know, to make it work and to make it to look right, it takes a lot of work. And I also do uh, I also do a lot of that work. I take films from all over the world, uh, live action, animated, and I write and direct them into English. And that's very it's a very tedious, tough. Uh, you know, job to do that and to make it look like they're actually speaking English, not like it's a dubbed film. Right. So, you know, if people can watch it and forget that they're watching a dubbed movie, then I've done my part. Yeah, that that must be especially difficult in live action fair, where the actors, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is very tough. But you know, when when it's done well, it's great. When it's done poorly, it just takes you right out of the movie. You know. Now, uh, one of the projects I've been keeping a close eye on uh, is Kickheart. How did you guys get involved with that, like right away, basically, it seems like? Uh, you know what? I have to kind of give uh, uh, Stephen Weiss uh, credit for that. He Basically, we had a, you know, he, 
he wanted to try to do some projects with me, and we were talking about some stuff. And I said, "Well, why don't you, uh, you know, snoop around and see what's going on out there, and see if we can, you know, do some anime or what's going on, you know, that sort of thing, because that's what he was interested in." And and basically, uh, uh, the uh, production IG had this Kickstarter program for uh, for Kickcart, the, this uh, this little animated project that they had, and uh, I guess it was doing very well on Kickstarter, and. And they and Steve contacted them and said, "Hey, look, what if I get you know Richard Epgar to do the the voice on it, and and you guys could have an English dub of it." And so they were kind of excited about that because, of course, they know me from Bato and Ghost in the Shell, and they said, "Oh, that would be awesome." So they put me on the their Kickstarter program, and they just apparently uh, people were really happy that I was involved, and they, they just their their thing went through the roof, and they made a ton of mo more money, way beyond what they were supposed to do just for to do the dub. So. They did very well on it, and they were very happy, and they got the money to make the project and get it dubbed and that whole thing. So uh, that's kind of how it worked out, and we we did uh, we did the the project. Uh, I think it was uh, it was last month we did it, and it should be coming out pretty soon. So yeah, that was that's kind of a fun uh, fun project, and it just kind of uh, came our way. So uh, <laughs> if you if you get a chance to see it, it's it's kind of a weird uh, a weird short. It's a short, it's a little short, yeah. short film, yeah. And I, I'm not sure if they're going to do uh, what they want to do with these characters. I think they're they're thinking either they're going to do a full-length feature film with these characters or they're going to uh, maybe do a series with these characters. I'm not really sure what they want to do, but it's a very different kind of uh, animation. And when you see it, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, it's it's very uh, very interesting, very art. You know, this guy's an artist. The uh, I wish I could. I'm, unfortunately, his name escapes me right now. But uh, he's a uh, yeah. You can Google. Him. He's uh, he's quite an artist. This guy. And he he came up with this very interesting animated uh, uh, little uh, feature thing. And uh, we had a lot of fun working on it. Actually, uh, his so. name is Masaki Yulasa. That's right, Masaki. That's right. Uh, and he is a very creative, uh, creative guy, and he's he does very unusual kinds of animation. And I think the reason Prediction IG wanted to uh, go with the Kickstart program was because his his animation is just kind of out so out there that they didn't want to, you know, have uh, corporate people kind of uh, controlling him and telling him how to do it. And she, they basically wanted to let this guy. Create this this art piece, and it is kind of it's very very unusual. As I said, when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, now, what do you think of the fact that, that I think this was made primarily for English audiences because the the Kickstarter uh, it was not available in Japan, if I remember correctly. It was actually not made available in Japan. The only people who could donate to it is American audiences. Uh, yeah. So, how do how do you feel? Do you as you were dubbing Kickheart, did you think, oh, this could really take off here in the States? Uh, did, did Production IG tell you that, hey, we're thinking about making this with America in mind, not so much Japan? Uh, do you have any insight into that? No, because initially it was basically they were saying, well, we're, we're going to include you in the uh, Kickstarter you know, program. And uh, because I, I think they'd already gotten the amount of money they wanted to create the project. And they just said, "Oh, we need you know x amount of dollars in order to dub it." So they kind of put that on there, and uh, and they they sure enough got uh, way beyond what they were expecting. Uh, so 
uh, I guess people were happy that I was <laughs> involved with it on some level, but uh, um, so that was kind of cool. And uh, no, I had no idea that it was only in the states, and I didn't know about any of that stuff. And uh, I, it was kind of my first experience with Kickstarter, to tell you the truth. I, I had heard something, you know, some things about it, but I didn't really know that much about it. Um, you know, I think it's kind of, uh, I, you know, once again, it's one of those things. I think it has its uh, pluses and minuses, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know if this is going to be the the model for future projects for everybody now, or you know what I mean. I I I, uh, I think it's, uh, but the good thing is that it does is it does provide people who have limited funding to create projects, you know, and people that are passionate about something, they can they can at least try to get their projects funded. Uh, this way, and apparently a lot of people are doing this, so, you know. Yep. Um, now, how much... Now, you're, you're in an interesting position in L.A., because as I understand it, Japan, are, or the Japanese studios, they usually send a representative to the dubbing studio, and with regards to Kickart, how involved was Production IG with the dubbing? Like, did they have a representative there, or did you have to send scripts back to uh, Production IG? Uh, they were not only involved with the dubbing, they were in the studio with us. They had the director in the studio with us, the guy who created it. Uh, they had the uh, one of the, uh, I guess, I'm not sure what, there, there was a, somebody who was maybe the writer and someone who was the uh, maybe the colorist. I mean, they had like a whole crew in there watching our every move, and they were very, very particular about the way they wanted things done. So, yeah, they were very hands-on. Now is that is that typical in LA or is that uh, is that kind of rare where you see the director come to the dubbing studio or any uh, representative? It's kind of, it's, it's kind of rare. Um, there was one instance uh, when I was doing Loop on the Third where Monkey Punch actually popped in and said hi to us, which was kind of cool. But he didn't hang out and watch us dub it. I mean, he just came in and introduced himself and we met him, and so that was kind of a thrill for us to to meet him. Um, but uh, yeah, normally, uh, normally people just basically give it over to me and say, "Here, do this," you know. <laughs> but these guys were very, very hands-on, and I find that you know a lot of the anime, a lot of the Japanese shows in particular, they're very kind of hands-on. They really, uh, and I don't know if they 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 feel like they've been burned in the past or that they've lost control of their projects, but they they're very hands-on. And listen, I understand. Uh, you know, on one hand, I understand that because it's their baby, and they want it to be done the way they want it to be done, and I completely understand it. If it was my project, I would I would want to be involved also. But on the other hand, you know, it's I, I feel like sometimes they get so involved that it's you know they 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 try to stay so close to the original that that sometimes when we do the dialogue, they don't no, that's not what they're saying. They want you they want you to say exactly what they're saying in Japanese, and sometimes that doesn't sound natural or normal it sounds very stilted and unreal and you know i have i have a uh, one of my pet peeves is like you know if there's something in another language and somebody says something and everyone starts laughing in the in the show they have to be saying something funny and if they say something that's funny in japan but it's not funny in the states they have to come up with we have to come up with something that's going to be funny in the states otherwise to me it doesn't make sense and that's kind of one of those lost in translation things you know what right. I mean? So, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, it's, you kind of have to, to, to and, I, and I also supervise for DreamWorks and Universal Pictures and went all over the world supervising our films and cartoons into other languages. So I know that basically when you're in a, another country, you kind of have to, 
uh, I don't want to say pander, but you have to you have to know what your market is, and you have to play for that audience. You know, and if it's something doesn't work in that audience, you have to make it, you know, fix it so it does work in that audience. Otherwise, I think you're just you're you're uh, you know shooting yourself in the foot. But that's you know once again that's my opinion, and I've been doing this a long time, so you know that's coming from experience. Now, since I have you here, I actually could never confirm th if this was true, but on the dub of the original Ghost in the Shell, I heard that Mamoru Oshii was involved uh, with the dub, or is that, am I just hearing that out of nowhere? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know that it's, it's possible. I, I, I mean, it was a long time ago, and I just remember it was, I don't, I don't remember, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't say for sure. It was a really long time ago, and I, I remember at the time it was, a, it was a film, we did the first one. And I thought this is really a cool film, and I, I was really thrilled to be playing this character, Bato. I thought he was a cool character, and he was right in my wheelhouse. You know, tough cop. I play a lot of those kind of characters, and so I thought, well, this is cool. And I never thought I'd hear about it again. And then uh, years later, they got uh, you know, uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, the series, and they called me up and they said, remember that movie you did a long, long time ago? I said, yeah. They said, well, there's a series now, and it's got that character, and in my head, I'm going, oh, great, I'm going to be doing a series now. And they said, we'd like you to come in and audition for the character. And I thought, you want me to, but I just play, they go, no, we want you to audition for the character. I said, oh, great. So I went in, there was about 200 people auditioning, and, and thankfully, I got in, and actually, it was me and William Knight were the only two from the original movie that made the cut, right. and everybody else was replaced, so. Uh, but I, I was very, very happy to... Uh, to be a part of that and uh, you know Bato is one of my favorite characters and I, I love being part of Ghost in the Shell and you know then I actually got to write and direct uh, Innocence uh, which that's a whole long story which but, we will uh, we will get into later I have that question okay <laughs> um, heard, so we've already been for four hours for God's sake I know uh, were, were you aware of the Ghost in the Shell comic book when you auditioned for Bato or you had no idea what was no. anything no I was uh, I had no uh, previous knowledge of uh, of Ghost in the Shell at all. Uh, did but you... I thought it was a oh, sorry. Go ahead. Really cool concept. No, I just I, I just said I thought it was a really cool concept. Um, and have you have you read it since or, or no? No, you know I'm. People don't realize it, but I am insanely busy most of the time, and. Uh, you know, people say to me, oh, do you play the games you work on? Do you watch the, the shows you're in? And it's like, once in a while, I get to do that, but it's very, very rare. And, uh, you know, uh, I was actually at some convention. This guy gave me a book, which I, I would love to read at some point, uh, a book about Bateau, actually. Um, and uh, I've yet to read it. And this is this is already a few years ago. So, oh, I, think I, I mean, it's just, it's just... It's huh? the uh, Innocence book, right? The Long Lost Goodbye? I think, yes, I yes. think it is. I, I know that book. That's a very good book. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that, but I haven't had a chance to. Maybe I should have read it before I did the movie. I don't know. <laughs> well, that, that didn't come out until after the movie, after Innocence even. So that was a while. Um, yeah. Now, you've been playing Bato since the beginning, 1995, in all Ghost in the Shell media and continuities. Is it hard yeah. for you to refine your performance to the specific media such as a video game versus a tv show versus a movie or do you think you have a good enough grasp of bato that you can kind of just slip into the character yeah no he, he's pretty he comes pretty easily to me you know he's uh like i say he's he's 
definitely one of the you know he's he's in my wheelhouse and he's uh, he's one of the characters that, that comes to me and I actually you know interestingly enough I find is the the older I get the more I like my voice for him because you know I I they were originally when they redid the first movie they were talking about redoing all the tracks and I was kind of hoping they were going to do that because when I listened to the first movie I'm going oh my god I sound so young and my voice sounds so high in this thing you know. And uh, that was actually another thing, though, that I got to do when I got to direct the uh, the other version, my own version, was there was two things I wanted to do. Uh, basically, I wanted to do Bateau the way I wanted to do him myself, and which isn't to say that uh, I don't necessarily do him that way. But you know, there's another director involved on on the standalone complex, and basically, I, I don't always agree with what he, the way he wants me to portray Bateau, and. Uh, so, you know, I'm not saying he does a bad job or anything. I'm just saying I don't always agree with him. And so it was kind of nice to do the character the way I wanted to do the character. Plus, when they record my voice on that show, they uh, they equalize it and they basically take out all the highs and the lows and they kind of squash it for television. So it basically takes the bottom out of my voice, which I think works really well for that character. So when I did uh, my version of it, I, I made it a point not to pull out the bottom out of my voice, so my voice sounds more like my voice, and it sounds more full, and I think it fits the character a lot better. Now, uh, actually, this is perfect. We're about to get into uh, Ghost of Shell 2. What, what is the story behind that? I've had the good fortune of hearing that story, but what happened, for the people that don't know, what happened with Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence and its multiple dubs? Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a long story. I'll try to kind of uh, you know tighten it up. But basically, uh, a long time ago, I was in Boston. Uh, my son went to Berkeley College of Music. We were visiting with him, and I was we went to a movie, and there was this big poster of Innocence, and and Bato and the dog were on there, and I'm going, oh my God, they're they're doing a, a Ghost in the Shell movie, and Bato looks like it's his movie. It's you know he's the main character, so I thought this is really cool. So I thought for sure we're going to dub this, right? Well, I found out that DreamWorks owned the rights to that movie, and they didn't really know what to do with it. And I and basically I thought, you know, when a studio owns these kind of movies like uh, you know Disney or whatever, they they generally have their post production uh, department do the the dubbing, and they're not experts in dubbing. I'm sorry, but they don't really do that kind of work. So to me, the dubbing never looks quite right, and they always hire celebrities to do the voicing, and those guys are not good at doing lip sync. So that always looks weird to me. So uh, I thought, well, a major studio owns it, so they'll probably get Johnny Depp to do Bateau or something like that. But at least I would like to be involved with it, and write and direct it. At least have some, you know, input or help them. I mean, my my goal, my ideal goal, would be to do Bateau and write and direct it. That would be, you know. It would be awesome if that could happen, but you know, of course, uh, I'm, I'm sure they were going to come back to these guys who did gets here in town, which they did. And uh, uh, DreamWorks, for whatever reason, decided uh, that they were just going to release the subtitle version, which was an, a mess because it was uh, it was the subtitles had all the stage directions, and it was for the the uh, you know the uh, the blind uh, the deaf people. I think it was, yes. had those those. It was uh, closed captioning. Yeah closed captioning for the subtitles and it didn't make any sense so um, what happened was I was at uh, Otacon in Baltimore and I was trying to find the people that were involved from DreamWorks because I wanted to go and talk to them well Otacon tried to put me in touch with them but for some reason we could never get together and then 
one night I'm on a on I'm on a bus going to dinner with a bunch of folks, and uh, I'm sitting next to this this lovely Asian lady, and she says, "Yeah, I'm one of the producers of Ghost in the Shell." And I thought, "Oh wow, this is great." I told her who I was, and she didn't give a crap. But <laughs> I said, "I'm the American voice of Bato," and so we talked for a while. And so she she told me who to call at uh, at DreamWorks because I had been trying to get a hold of people at DreamWorks because I worked for DreamWorks. I was a supervisor for DreamWorks. And I figured I had some some pull there because I you know I worked there right, so I'm calling people. Nobody's returning my calls, and she told me who to call. So I call that person. They never return my calls. So I kind of gave up. And then I was called to do a convention in London, and I met the uh, the London Expo, which is now London Comic Con, and uh, I get approached by Manga UK, and they said, you know, Richard, we're really uh, sad because we wanted to get a dub version of this uh, Ghost in the Shell Innocence and uh, DreamWorks didn't do one and we own the rights for uh, the UK and Australia would you be interested in doing a, a, you know, a dub for us and I said sure they said well give me a bid so I bid on it and uh, and you know they approached me and I was there's always been kind of a bad feeling between me and the people that do gits I think because I think they're a little upset with me they feel like I kind of stole it from them but th they actually I was approached to do it and uh, I never you know uh, uh, they you know they asked me so I did it and I was believe me I was thrilled to do it so anyway um, we did it and uh, we we're very happy with it. Uh, there was there was a little technical snafu with the thing when because they they insisted they wanted their people to do the layback. The layback got a little a little tweaked and it was some of the stuff in the back end was out of sync. I was not happy about that. And then years later, um, but I mean the good part was I got everything I wanted. I got to write, direct it, and do the voice of Bato. Now years later, about five years later, uh, Bondi decided, oh, we want to have a, a you know, uh, Innocence uh, dub also. And so uh, Manga UK said, why don't you just use Epcar's tracks? And they go, no, we want to do our own version with the Gits people. So they came back to uh, the States and they had the Gits group write a different script. And of course they wanted me to play Bateau, so I went in there, I did Bateau on their version, and it was kind of surreal to do the do the same movie twice with uh, two different scripts, you know. And it was kind, kind of, of almost the same cast too. Yeah, well, we both used the Gitz cast. We did, and uh, but the the all the supernumerary characters were different in theirs that they were mine. So, uh, um, you know, I, I you know, listen, it was my my version, and I'm partial to mine. But there's something else that they kind of did, which was kind of weird, because they were saying they didn't like my version. That's why they didn't want to use it. But yet when they released it, they released both versions, the UK version and the American version. And they, they included the UK version at the wrong frame rate. So it sounds like crap. And I'm wondering, did they do that purposely or did they? I mean, it's like, why would you? Did anyone even listen to that? Yeah. The first <laughs> why thing, would you like that? The first thing I'm going is like any rookie engineer can fix that. Like any yeah. rookie engineer can fix that uh, instantly. That takes... That takes two minutes to fix for Blu-ray authoring, and I'm just like, why is it like this? And luckily, well, I have I have the original UK DVD, so I can watch it in the correct frame rate. But it sucks that I have to switch movies. Sorry, go ahead. Does it sound Does it sound okay when you watch it in the uh, in the original uh, version? The UK DVD sounds fine. Uh, the only Good. problem is you got to buy a region-free Blu-ray, or uh, not Blu-ray, but DVD player uh, to listen to it. But it sounds it sounds fine in that version, but you know, I understand why fans don't want to import from the UK. 
when they when they re-released it with the, the new one, I I don't know why they included mine. I thought that was really weird, and I I feel I almost feel like it's like a f you to me, because it's like you know we're gonna put this on here and we're gonna make it sound bad on purpose. You know what I mean? I just thought, did anyone nobody listen to this thing when they released it out? And it's I just uh, it's unlistenable. I, I yeah, don't know. It, I don't. I I've never seen a track like that on any release ever. Well, I just I I and and to release something like that, you know, I just thought that that's kind of messed up. I I was very uh, very upset with them for doing that, and it's like I, you know, I guess on one hand it was, it was maybe nice. Maybe they didn't do it maliciously. I uh, you kind of hope believe that they didn't do it maliciously, and that it was just one of those things that happened. But uh, you know, on the other hand, I know they were were upset that I was doing it because they they felt like I'd kind of taken their baby away from them. Uh, but once again, like I say, I, I didn't, uh, you know, they came to me and asked me to do it and I was, I was tickled pink to do it to tell you the truth. Cause I, like I say, I actually got finally to do Bob toe the way I wanted to do it. So, you know, it worked out well. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll get you a copy of that UK DVD and a player for it one day. So okay. you can listen to it properly. I'm well, actually, well, you probably still have the tracks, right? I, I don't know. I, I have no idea where they would be or where they are. So. Um, well, which one do you like better? Uh, I like the I like the dub you directed better because it does sound a little more natural. Yes, the Thank Bandai you. dub I think is more faithful to the original script, but yeah. Mamoru Oshii loves to go bad crazy with the quotes. <laughs> yeah, and well, that's you know that was the real uh, uh, dilemma on doing this because basically they're they're pontificating with these platitudes and sayings and uh, and quotes and all this stuff and. To make that sound like dialogue was one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do as a writer. Yeah. And to make sense of it was very difficult. And, you know, I, at one point I almost wanted, I wanted to throw it out. And I actually had a, a long, long conversations with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Crispin uh, Freeman on this. And basically, you know, the reality is, is it's not my movie. It's Oshi's movie. And you have to, you know, defer to that because it's his, it's his art, it's his, it's his film, and you have to try to be as true to it as you can. And uh, so, I mean, I, I, I tried to do that, but I also tried to make the dialogue sound as natural and conversational as I could within the context of that thing because it, it was just so bizarre the way he did that. You know, I, I uh, it was very challenging, I have to say. Very I mean, challenging. I, I like both dubs. I will listen to both of them because you're in both, <laughs> so I don't care. Um, Thank you. But, uh, you know, when I, I listen... That, Sorry, go ahead. I have to say, the, the, the new one sounds very good. They did a real good job of uh, of recording it. It sounds awesome. And that, you know, that's why it was just so hurtful to me to have them put the two together and then have mine sound so crappy, you know. And it's just like, it was like I said, it was almost like, uh, you know, screw you kind of a thing. But... Uh, Sorry, uh, my, what I was going to say about the dub real quick uh, is that, yes, the, your, your dub sounds much, nat much more natural. And I think, that's, I think that's closer to what the essence of the show is because it sounds more like what Bato would say in, in the English version. Yeah. I mean, between Ghost in the Shell 1 and Ghost in the Shell 2, it's so different. Uh, yeah. You know, I, to see Bato quote scripture... You know, every two minutes, it's like, oh, this isn't Bato anymore. This is Oshi. And then when you come in and take w with your dub, I think it sounds more like Bato 
you know, just like he he is in a different place at this point. And yeah, I, yeah. I feel like it, it's much more prominent in your version than it is in the Bondi version. Well, I also try to inject a little tiny bit of comedy in there uh, because it's so dry. Yes. And I think they were kind of, uh, you know, the, the purists uh, at the other place were kind of uh, upset about that, you know, that, that I had the audacity to put a, a couple of uh, funny lines in there. And I thought, you know what, it, it kind of needs something because it's just, it really is dry <laughs> without yeah. it. So I tried to make it, you know, I mean... Uh, I tried to find some comedy where I could, you know. I mean, I didn't go out and put a bunch of, you know, joke lines in there. But, I mean, th there were some some moments where there was some, some comedy that could come out of the situation. And I tried to play that up a little bit, you know, yeah. just to, to to break it up a little bit. Yeah, it's it's very subtle comedy. It's not like, oh, that's hilarious, no, yeah. knee slapper, but it's, it, it's, yeah. it's in there. But anyways, uh, Ghost in the Shell, of course, is all about technology. And we'd like to know... What changes you've noticed in regards to the technology in the VO booth since you've started playing Bateau? Well, I mean, in general, the uh, you know I'm going going back to Robotech even uh, or even before that. You know, basically when when I first started doing this work, there were no beeps, which are the beeps there. They're the boop 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 that beep you into where you start talking. And basically, we had to look at the time code on the, on the screen and the time code on the script and try to grab the code as it was spinning to start our dialogue. And then you had to get the, the line of dialogue to fit in the mouth. Otherwise, you had to keep doing the line over and over and over again. So what we have now, we have Pro Tools, which is if you get the line in the ballpark, now they can slide it and move it and cut it up and expand it and contract the line so that it fits in the, in the mouth. So... The people that are coming up today have it have it easy. Believe me, it's very very simple. Whereas when we started out, we I like to call it combat dubbing. You know, we had to really kind of grab it and 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 be very alert and and. Uh, but I think it's nice now because you don't have to think so much about where is it going to start, and now it can just beep you in, and you can just concentrate more on the performance instead of uh, trying to you know get it you know where it starts and stops and that sort of thing. Um. Now. What um what fond memories do you have of the character of Bato, whether it be at the booth or in the convention scene? Anything anything you want to say about Bato that you uh, remember fondly? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just a great character. I've I've had a couple of uh, instances where I was uh, once I was at Costco. It was kind of funny. This is kind of nothing to do with actually recording or anything, but it's just kind of funny. A guy was wearing a big Bato t-shirt, you know, Ghost in the Shell t-shirt with Bato, and mm -hmm. I walked by, I said, yeah, hey, I voiced that character, and he kind of looked at me, and said, yeah, right, and walked away. And then he's, <laughs> as he's walking away, I said, Major Kusanagi, and he kind of stopped in his tracks, and he turned around, and he said, oh my God, you do voice Bato. <laughs> and then the other day, I was at uh, Arclight, and I, w I was wearing a Ghost in the Shell t-shirt, and the guy goes, I love that show. I said, yeah, I do, I do the voice for Bato. He goes, and he just had a total nerdgasm. He said, he's, oh, my God, I love that show. I just freaked out. And, he, you know, he, he was, like, speechless. He didn't know what to say. So I thought that was kind of fun, you know, kind of interesting. And then I had another instance when I was at uh, 20th Century Fox. I was uh, there for a, a TV audition. And I asked some guy, I said, can you tell me where Bungalow whatever it was, 33 is? And the guy goes, can you say that again? I said, can you tell me where Bungalow 33 He goes, are you Bateau? And goes, jail. <laughs> And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. So he had me sign. He had some, you know, something he wanted me to sign for him. 
So I signed it. I said, okay, now will you tell me where Bungalow 33 is? So he finally told me. But it was just kind of a, you know, those those are things that are unexpected and they're just kind of fun, you know. Yeah. Um, now, why do you think Ghost and Shell is is so strong? What, what do you think it speaks to the fans? Why do you think it speaks to the fans? Uh, I think Ghost in the Shell is, uh, is it's not just like a shoot 'em up uh, cop, uh, futuristic cop story. I think, I think the thing that really grabs people is, is that they ask the hard questions and they, they talk about the uh, responsibility of, uh, of this technology that's just growing exponentially. And I think that, you know, th this, these are questions that we're going to have to face in the very near future. And I think that, uh, you know, it just discusses the, the the morality and the rights and wrongs that uh, that that goes with, you know, having obtaining this kind of technology that these people have, and I think that's very interesting. And they also, you know, they they get they get very psychological. They get into you know very deep things, and it's just not like I say, it's just not a surface shoot 'em up. But I think it's very engaging for people because, you know, our our animation we don't. You know, we don't have a lot of shows like that in America that has animation that's like that, that, that asks those, those hard questions, that pushes the envelope, that, you know, the, our stuff is pretty linear. It's very formulaic, you know, and uh, I think that, that the people are engaged with this because, uh, you know, there's a lot of thought-provoking material that goes on in these shows. Um, yeah, the thing that, that always spoke to me is, you know, when, when, as we keep going along and these adaptations of Ghost and Shell keep coming out, it's it's how eerily parallel they seem to be running into real world events. I mean, uh, when Ghost and Shell Standalone Complex was coming out, this was post 9-11, and we had the whole Patriot Act coming about, and yet we the heroes of the show, the heroes of the show are hacking into people's minds, peeking into yeah. and seeing information that they're not technically supposed to be seeing. And yet, these are the heroes yeah. of the show, and I always thought it was very morally ambiguous. Um, and even right now, we're, we're dealing with that technology in terms of the drone strikes from President Obama. Not to get super political, but you know, the morality behind the use of that technology to further uh, to further our goals, to further our agenda, uh, whether or not we have the right to use that technology. Uh, and I, well, like, that's very true. So you, you can see that it's it's actually actually happening in this day and age, and that you know, I mean, basically, it's that CIA mentality that the uh, you know the ends justify the means, and that you know it doesn't matter, you know, we have to protect ourselves or obtain the information we need to obtain or get the terrorist or you know whatever whatever it is we're going, whatever the goal is. Uh, it, it's more important to uh, you know obtain the goal than how you uh, how you go about it, and you know, and that's the that's the whole thing about it. I, I think that uh, it is a little scary, you know, that uh, they that they are able to do this sort of stuff. But on the other on the other hand, I guess you know the crooks have no rules, you know, they have no guidelines, and they can pretty much do whatever the hell they want to yeah. do. So I, I think that sometimes you know. If, if this is what they need to fight these guys and, and, and get the information they need to get, then, you know, I don't know. I mean, but then, you know, you get into all those those uh, gray areas like, well, you know, should we allow this? Is this invasion of privacy? Is this is this something that uh, we want to, uh, you know, foist upon uh, normal citizens? Uh, you know, so it's uh, it gets into uh, some very, very murky waters. And I think that it, uh, you know, depends on who's calling the shots, how 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 much, um, you know, how moral they are, you know what I mean? So it's, 
listen, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we did and do as a country that we're not proud of. And, uh, you know, and uh, the people that are doing those things are, are doing them in the name of uh, preserving our freedom. You know, and it's kind of ironic, I guess, you know, when you look at it uh, that way. I think, uh, I think the best way to encapsulate that entire point is uh, actually one of Bato's lines in the first Ghost of Shell movie. In the very beginning, he says, we're Section 9. We're the ones getting our hands dirty. You know, and I think, yeah. yeah, I think there is a very uh, eerie parallel with CIA and FBI with like, we're the ones getting our hands dirty so that everybody can be safe, you know, so that yeah. we can protect our country's best interests. Um, yeah. Now, with, in, in terms of technology, do you see any of this technology becoming real uh, in, it, from Ghost in the Shell, such as the cyber brain, or we've already seen some of the technology become real, oddly, but do you see any, anything else becoming real that you may have noticed in the show well i mean i don't necessarily uh i mean there are some things in the show that are becoming available to us now i i think we're a ways off from the cyber brain and that whole thing but i mean i think the more and more we get uh, computerized uh i think that's going to be more of a reality and i think that you know i you know, with all this Alzheimer's and uh, dementia stuff that's happening to everybody now, it's just kind of bizarre. But, uh, you know, I think it would, I think, you know, maybe in the future they can download, you know, get rid of the the uh, unuseful memories and, and you know, give you more RAM for your brain or whatever, you know. I mean, who knows? Who knows what they can do? Uh, but, yeah, I think we're going to be seeing some of that stuff. Um, you know, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of scary to me because it kind of goes along with this instant gratification that everybody wants. It's like, you know, people basically in the old days you'd, you'd learn an instrument or you learn martial arts or whatever. You have to start at the bottom and and work very hard and diligently to get to that point where you're really proficient at it. And people just want to, oh, let's stick a uh, you know a cable in my neck and let me download all that information. And then I have all that knowledge and it's like it's just kind of. Uh, it's kind of the way people are. They just want everything now. They don't want to have to work for it. And I just, you know, I just think yeah. it's, it's kind of weird. As soon as they come up with something for, uh, how do you work in media? You know, driver for that. Uh, we're out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, with, so. with the exception of the comic, uh, Bato has shown feelings for Motoko. Do you think he will ever come clean or? Will he continue to stand by his by her side uh, with no questions asked? I mean, especially in in the second movie, it's kind of like a giant love letter to her. Yeah, well, he absolutely he is in love with her, and he does love her, and uh, it's unrequited. And she she's she knows it. I mean, she knows he loves her, and he's you know, but he he's always very gentlemanly towards her and uh, treats her very well and is very protective of her. Uh, even though she doesn't really need it, she can definitely take care of herself. So, uh, um, you know, uh, it, it's there, there's a sadness that goes along with that, and that's kind of a, that unrequited love thing that he feels for her all the time. And uh, you know, that's that's another dimension of his character. You know, that's something else, another level. I also wanted to comment about uh, you know the movie uh, Innocence. We were talking about you know these these different things, and the thing that really strikes me about that movie is that basically human beings are becoming more and more like machines and the machines are becoming more and more like human beings and the only thing in that movie that was was truly human was the dog yes yeah. uh, you know because he he is the uh, quote-unquote pure soul or 
as uh, yeah. as Mamoroshi likes to call him, Gabriel, his own dog. Yeah, it, it was his dog, absolutely. I mean, and Togusa for a long time kind of resisted uh, getting cybernized, and then he's got he's got the stuff in his neck now, so you know he's he's on his way. Yep. You know, especially in um, I think it's Solid State Society, the most recent adventure. Uh, he he commented that he actually got more prosthetics, and his family uh, didn't like that. He had to mm. come clean, so to speak. But um, yeah. you know, he got I, the cyber dance. Yes. <laughs> He, um, I think, I think with Bato though, I think there is more from Motoko, and, and you know, Motoko obviously knows it. She admits it in the last episode of the second season, pretty much. Uh, and, but, do you ever think that she will ever come around? I mean, she might not in the movies because she's a ghost, literally on the internet. While yeah. in the in the show, she's technically still around. Do you think she'll ever come around, or is this just fruitless for Bato? Do you think we'll uh, well, ever see that? According to the manga, she's into women, so you know, and we don't, we don't really know. Uh, I mean, she does use a woman's body, but we really don't know if she is a woman. I mean, we don't. She could be a man. You know, she could have a man's soul in a woman's body. We don't know. Who the hell knows? You know, really. Um, that definitely comes but, up in the uh, comic. <laughs> huh? That definitely comes up in the comic. Yeah, and you know she's she's into women in the comics, so it is kind of unrequited. You know, it's uh, uh, it's kind of sad for him. You know, he he, I think he's really lonely. If you look at Innocence, he comes home, and he's kind of got this empty apartment, and the only thing there for him is his dog. You know, and he loves his dog, and uh, but that's it. You know, that's all he's got really. That's his only uh, his only connection to, you know, anything affectionate. So. He loves he loves uh, her, but she doesn't she doesn't really reciprocate. You know she she knows that he loves her, and she I think she appreciates it on a certain level. But uh, you know it's like that one scene in uh, in Innocence when they're fighting the gynoids, and uh, and then she shows up, she drops her uh, mind into one of the gynoids and starts fighting the gynoids with him, and then uh, you know he realizes it's her. And then she's standing there because they're not clothed, and he takes off his jacket and puts his coat on her. And it just, you know, I, I want to cry every time I see that moment because it just, you know, he's just, he just has such feelings for her, and he, you know, he loves her, and he, he wants to, he wants to protect her, and you know, and she just basically, I mean, she appreciates these feelings, but she won't reciprocate, you know. And it's also a callback to the first movie where he also does that. When she uh, yeah. finishes up with the thermoptics, uh, she yeah. she does get the jacket again, and you know she comments on that in the second movie, like you never change. And yeah. I don't think Bato will ever change his feelings for her, which is really, really kind of a sad feeling, but not to bum everybody yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is it is it is sad, and uh, I think you know everyone can relate to that on a certain level. Now, getting to uh, the new stuff, Ghost in the Shell Arise. First off, are you excited? I, I'm thrilled they're making more of it. I, I hope we're involved somehow. You know, I don't know that we will be, to tell you the truth. Now, I, I sent you a picture on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but what do you think of Bato's new character design? Well, he looks pretty similar. He has green eyes now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they change him a little bit from, from show to show. I mean... Uh, at first, I was, uh, you know, when we, I went from the first movie, and he had kind of a military haircut, and then he goes to this, 
the standalone complex has got the ponytail thing going on. You know, I just thought I thought that was a little weird. I don't know why they they went for that, but I guess that's you know it's kind of like that uh, you know the the veteran thing being uh, you know uh, anti-establishment. He's going to grow his ponytail, you know. So, uh, but you know, whatever. I uh, you know I think it it's interesting. I mean, you're you're kind of used to these characters looking a certain way, and I I think they look vastly different than they have, especially uh, her. You know, the major looks very, very different than she has in the past, and uh, I guess uh, some people are happy she's now wearing clothes, but uh, yes. I know a lot of the fans are not happy she's wearing clothes, because they kind of like her being hot and sexy and looking great in those those outfits that no one would ever let anybody wear in a police department, so. <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of a uh, fan uh, split, there's a split down the middle between her first season costume. That was a uh... It's an interesting choice. I will leave it at that. Yes. yes. Um, but what what do you think of the rest of the show so far? Uh, from from what we do know, uh, I don't know a lot about. You mean Arise? You're talking about? Yes, Arise. I mean, we don't. Yeah, I we, don't. I don't even know that much. So. <laughs> no, I don't know anything about it other than that they're doing it. I think it's kind of. It's not even a series. It's kind of a mini series, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's. Um, for, for those of you that don't know, it is four four movies. Uh, 50 minutes long. It's kind of like Gundam Unicorn, which Ellen is working on. Uh, As I am, too. I'm yeah. also in. And, um, I play... You play who? I play Mackle in that, and I get... I, I, I won't say, because it'll be a spoiler alert, I so I won't say. I've only gotten to the first but episode, I, so don't spoil it. <laughs> oh, okay. One second. But yeah, I'm in that as well. I play that. I'm in that show as well. Um... But yeah, it's it's similar to that. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be simultaneously released with the United States. I hope so, so badly, because that would be. I think that would be perfect for Ghost and Shell. I think it makes more sense for Ghost and Shell than Gundam, uh, because well, there's such a huge fan base. You mean if we dub it, is what you're talking about? Yes, dub it at the same time well, as Japan. Well, here's the, here's the the. It's not a pro. Well, it's a it is kind of a problem. But here here's the dilemma. I should say is that uh, I. I it, once again, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of school, but I believe that Funimation has uh, gotten the rights for Northern America. And so if that's the case, then there's a big chance that they will use their own cast in Texas because that's where they're based. For rights? And, uh, yeah, we're no, in Los nobody Angeles. nobody has the rights. It is, it is currently has... unlicensed right now. Oh, it is? Yes. So we don't know. That's interesting. Um, and I'm why, why, why did I hear that? Uh, okay, well maybe I'm wrong. That's that is pure speculation. Nobody has the rights yet. Uh, originally, well, we thought manga had the rights because they usually co-produce they all the Ghost and Show, but they didn't right. on this one, so nobody has the rights. Interesting. Um, well, I don't know, but if if they do if they do procure the rights uh, if Funimation does procure the rights then, then the, there, there's a chance that we will not be part of it which would sadden me greatly so uh, I mean I hope that uh, you know I hope that they if they do get it maybe they'll realize that it's such a popular show and it would be behoove them to use the original cast and maybe they'll just allow the, the three of us or the four of us I should say that do the main characters to do at least do those characters and and let uh, you know they can use their their people for the rest of the show. So, I mean, there is there precedent. Is, Sorry, go ahead. There is precedent, absolutely. But you know that doesn't stop. Listen, they 
you know, Bondi did this uh, did this Laughing Man deal in Canada where they right. tried to do sound pipes, and uh, which we were all very upset about. And we even said to them, "Look, why are you going to Canada?" They said, "Because it's cheaper." And I, we all of us said, "You know what? We will, we will match the price. We'll whatever it is, we'll we'll do it for the same price because we love these characters and we want to continue doing them." And they still went to Canada. So, you know, you never know what uh, people will do. But I don't think that that. That particular one was very successful. Well, I, I have those two on Blu-ray, and I never listened to the English version. I always put it in Japanese. I can't. No, no offense to the the guys in Canada, but it just it sounds wrong. It it does yeah. sound kind of wrong, especially I since heard I'm it. used to it. Oh, somebody you, told me they're they're trying to sound like us. But, uh, yes, it's not. It, it, nobody's acting. Everybody's trying to imitate in in that dub, yeah. and it's just awful. Yeah. I'd be curious to hear it, just to hear what some guy thinks I sound like. You know, I got to tell you a funny story. I was I was telling this story at one of the conventions. There was actually, you know, we get these things called the breakdowns, and basically they have uh, descriptions of the characters for the agents to submit and blah blah blah. So something actually came on the breakdown one time that said we're looking for a Richard Epcar soundalike. So my agent called me up and said they're looking for Richard Epcar soundalike. I said, well, submit me. So they submitted me, and I did an audition, and I didn't get the part. And I'm going, I'm sending my agent. Is there there's somebody out there that sounds more like Richard Epcar than me? <laughs> so I thought that was kind of interesting. They're looking for a Richard Epcar type, and I didn't get the part. So figure that deal out. Uh, Hollywood. Maybe that guy in Canada got it. Who knows? <laughs> um, now, do you do you have any hopes for Rise? Do you, is there anything you'd like to see for the character of Bato in particular? I'd love to see him get together with the major and just, you know, stupor circuits out. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I, I would just think that would be amazing, you know. I, I would really think that would be amazing. That they would finally, you know, th that happens on a lot of shows, that there's this tension and, you know, and at the end they finally kind of do get together. So it would be kind of nice at some point where they would do that. But uh I don't know. Maybe the the creators of this uh, these characters feel it's kind of better to have this kind of unrequited thing going on with them. I don't know. Uh, I would like to see that. I would like to see. Uh, you know, I just I really like the psychological, technological conflicts that they come up with on standalone complex, and I hope there's kind of more of that sort of thing and. Uh, more ethical questions and more morality questions that they kind of grapple with. I think that's always very, very interesting, you know. Um, and and it, again, it's too early to tell for the English cast, but yeah. no one from the Japanese cast is coming back. Like the yeah. original Bato is not coming back. Batoga is not coming back. Togus is not coming back. Uh, do you have any yes. thoughts or feelings about that, or any speculations you'd like to make for the English version in regards to that? Or, well, I think it sucks, but I, I you know, listen, it's like anything. I mean, you know, did did uh, did Christopher Nolan use uh, Michael Keaton in his new Batman movie? No, I mean, you know, I think everybody kind of has their own their own image of the stuff, and they want to, you know, maybe they just wanted to move on and try something a little different with these characters and. You know, I mean, I can kind of understand that. Of course, you know, uh, you know, you do get kind of attached to the characters, and you, you'd love to do them. And I feel bad for them because I, I think they did a magnificent job in Japan. And I'm sure they're they're heartbroken that they're not going to be in the new uh, version of it. 
uh, and they're so associated with these characters, I think that's got to be hard for them, you know. And any time you uh, you do something like that, I think it's tough. I think uh, in America, especially though, we get really attached to our characters, and we really kind of like to see that continuity. I know, I know this because I've I've been uh, uh, replacements for several people on several different projects, and I and I know that sometimes people get kind of miffed about it in the beginning. Thankfully, I win them over at the end, but. Uh, you know, it's kind of a tough thing. You know, it's you feel like Roger Moore, you know, stepping in for Sean Connery, and it's just kind of a, you know, there's always going to be people that saying, "Oh, you suck. Sean Connery's the best." You know what I mean? So right. you have you have that to deal with, but uh, you know, uh, I, I guess they're, you know, my my uh, reaction is I'm sad for the actors that played those characters, but I, on the other hand, I guess I could see the. Uh, the uh, the wisdom maybe in in trying to reinvent or reboot these characters you know so um, just out of curiosity any any specific roles that you've replaced or you've had to replace that you would like to speak about and maybe have you met the actor who replaced you or the actor you replace uh, well one that comes to mind is uh, you know I I'm I'm handsome in Kingdom Hearts I replaced Billy Zane he did the first one and there was a lot of flack about me coming in on the second one. And and part of the problem was that I was directed to be kind of uh, not as strong as I as I know I can be, and they thought I sounded kind of wimpy. And when I heard the fans kind of talk about this, I kind of took it upon myself to be a lot more, you know, aggressive in the next ones. And as it's gone along, people have kind of said, "Yeah, he's great now. Now I like him," you know. And so, but I had to kind of go through that whole ordeal. And then, listen, there's still some diehard fans of Billy Zane's, and I'm sure he does a great job, but. And as I said, it's tough when you get somebody's, uh, uh, you know, either their voice or their character in your head, and, and they're doing a great job, and they try to replace them with somebody else. It's not, you know, for a lot. Of, like I, I keep getting coming back to uh, the James Bond thing, Bond thing, because you know I'm I'm like a huge uh, Sean Connery fan. So for me, he was James Bond, and all the other ones are trying to be James Bond. <laughs> you know, and I and I completely understand that on the fans uh, on the fans uh, feelings, but. You know, I've, I have won over a lot of fans on the on the Kingdom Hearts thing. Uh, you know, I do the Joker, and there's a lot of people saying, oh, you know, you'll never be Mark Hamill or whatever, you know. And, or he's trying to be Mark. That's my favorite. You're trying to be Mark Hamill. I've never heard Mark Hamill do the Joker. So that one always cracks me up. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, listen, there's been... There's been hundreds of actors who have played Hamlet, and they all have their their take on that character. And you know, there's room for interpretation from other actors and other characters. Um, so you know, I just I jump in, I do the best I can, and hopefully people will like it. And I, like I say, I've been very very fortunate, and I do. Uh, ultimately, I think I, I I get them on my side. So uh, you know, there may be a few holdouts here and there, but uh, you know. Um, like with, like I say, with Ansem, I, I now I think I have a lot of people who really enjoy what I'm doing with the character. There's a lot of people that love what I do with Joker, and uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think. There's a, there's another one that I that I replace. I'm trying to. Oh, and then uh, there's a new one coming out that I'm doing. Um, that uh, uh, Stargate is a new game that I'm playing General George Hammond, and, and the actor Don Davis, who is a wonderful actor, passed away. So basically, they're CGIing his image, and I'm doing uh, sound alike. I'm trying to ma voice match him for this game, uh, and a series of games. I, I I think is what they're going to do. And uh, um, you know, and 
I may get some flag for that, but you know, I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying to do my best to honor his uh, his memory and his uh, portrayal. And uh, you know, it's not always easy. You know, you do your best, and you you know, you just hope for the best. That's all you can do. Yeah. You know. Um. Now, uh, we have a couple of fan questions, and then last question, then we'll be out of here. Um. Because I know I know how extremely busy you are, and thank you again for making time. Um, my pleasure. Now, this actually comes back to Ansem in Kingdom Hearts. What was it like to voice Ansem in the Kingdom Hearts games? Uh, this is from Matt, Matthew Riviera. Uh, well, it was great. Unfortunately, when they... when they And actually, you know, it's kind of a funny roundabout uh, thing. Um, uh, the way that came about was the guy who does the voice of Bateau also does the voice of Ansem in Japan. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, Billy Zane uh, was unavailable, or they didn't want him, or uh, he wanted too much money, or he pooped in their salad. I'm not really sure what the reason was, but uh, they decided to recast him. So basically, they said, well, who does the voice of Bateau in America? And they said, Richard Epcar. So they cast me. I didn't have to audition for it, which is unusual, because usually you have to audition for everything. So that was nice. So, uh, I, did I tell you my Christopher Lee story? Have I told you about this? You've told me, but let's have it on the record. Okay. Well, I went in to, to, uh, to do uh, my first day for the first uh, Kingdom Hearts game, which I believe was Kingdom Hearts 2. And uh, I go in there, and there was about six people from Disney in the booth and about six uh, Japanese clients in the booth that were from the original game. Um, and... Basically, I would do a line of dialogue, and the engineer would come on the talk back and say, just a minute. And then I saw everybody in the booth talking amongst themselves for like five minutes, and they would come back and say, can you do that a little line a little slower? So i do the line a little slower, and the engineer would say, just a minute. And they would talk amongst themselves for five, ten minutes and come back and say, can you do that line a little faster? And i do the line a little faster. I mean, this went on all day. So I was going nuts, and they were driving me insane. And finally, we had a break, and I pulled the engineer aside, and I said, how did uh, Christopher Lee put up with this? He said, oh, they did it to him once, and he said, all right, I'm going to tell you how we're going to do this. I'm going to read this script from the top to the bottom, and then I'm going home. And I thought, how cool is that? I wish I could have done that. But it was my first time. Now I've done about six of them, so maybe I can do that now. Um, now, this comes from um, Wesley McManus. Uh, what role... Hi, Hi, Wesley. Uh... What roles did you... I didn't say hello to the first guy. Who was the first one? His name is Matthew Rivera. Hi, Matthew. I just want to say hello to Matthew. All right, go ahead. Okay. Uh, now, this one's from Wesley. Hi, Wesley, again. Uh, what roles did you, endo- uh, did you enjoy doing the most, and is there any that you would have liked to have gotten but didn't? Um, yeah, I get, I get that question a lot, and, uh, you know, basically... Uh, you know, there's a few that are my favorites, like Jigen and Bateau and the Joker and Ansem and uh, uh, my oldest Mon and Edamon and, uh, you know, Ben Dixon. And I mean, it goes on and on and on. You know, I've done almost 400 characters, so it's uh, there's a long list. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my whole thing with that is that uh, I love all the characters I do when I'm in the booth. I try my best and I try to do, you know, my best work every time I'm in there. And, uh, you know, they're kind of like your children, you know, you can't say you like, you know, you love one over the other, you know, you try to do your best. The ones that are the toughest are these new games, uh, the combat games where you're screaming your butt off for hours and hours and hours. Those are the, those are the tough ones. 
but the characters, to do characters, it's always generally a joy. I really enjoyed doing Lunge and uh, in Monster. That was an interesting character, just something very different than uh, what I would normally be cast for. Uh, there was a character called Biff Tradwell that I did in uh, Mod Nation Racers, which was a lot of fun. It was a comedy, so I got to be funny and have a, have a great time. It was like kind of a Will Ferrell part, you know, and it was really fun. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of them out there, and they're just, you know, I'm just, I'm, like I say, I'm very blessed and very lucky to be working all the time and uh, coming up with new stuff all the time, and it's just a blast, and I get to work with some of the greatest people, uh, you know, in the business, so it's really, really fun for me. All right, we got our last question, and we will get you out of here as quick as possible. Um, now, is there any projects that are coming up that you would like to promote that are coming out soon? Broken uh, Spirits. Have... Which one? Broken Spirits. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, as, he, as he said, Broken Spirits, which is, uh, well, I don't know when that's coming out. They keep telling me it's coming out, it's coming out. I don't know when it's coming out. I would love to see it myself. <laughs> uh but uh, I keep hearing uh, mixed uh, reviews saying it's coming out, it's not coming out, it's coming out. It's not. So I hope it does. It's supposedly going to be uh, premiering at uh, Anime Expo this year in Los Angeles, which I, I hope so. It'd be fun. And they're going to have some sort of red carpet event for that. So that would be really cool to see that. I'm really looking forward to seeing the movie. I hope it comes out great because was, that was a blast to work on. It was really fun. Um, that That's a, a movie that I... I I play a character in the film, and it's it's on camera, and so that was really fun to do that. I play a, uh, a shady shaman, and then the the other thing I have coming up is uh, is uh, this new uh, Batman fighter game called uh, uh, Injustice: Gods Among Us, which uh, is coming out soon. And. Uh... Trying to think what else is uh, coming out. Uh, I've been working on a ton of stuff. Unfortunately, I can't talk about a lot of it, but, uh, you know. Uh, last one, one last plug for Kickheart, I guess. That's coming out soon, no? Yeah, Kickheart's coming out. That's, uh, like I said, that's a really interesting uh, uh, featurette, I should call it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it'll be fun, and uh, that was fun working on that. I'm trying to think of what else is, uh, there's so much stuff that's happening, it's just gone insane, insane, but uh, a lot of, lot of new games that are coming out that I'm on, and uh, just been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of voice, uh, game voicing and, uh, and directing, I'm directing a huge project at Warner Brothers, which I can't talk about, unfortunately, but hopefully one day we can, we can talk about that, it's, it's a pretty cool project. Well, that's all the questions I've got. Uh... And I thank you so much for, again, making the time out of your busy schedule. Uh, and, you know, just thank you so much for all the years that you've been Bato. I've really, really enjoyed your performance as the character. And thank you. Thank, and thank you so much for, again, coming on the show. I know the fans really appreciate it. Uh, here, here's to Ghost and Shell Arise, man. It, let's hope it's yeah. good. And thank you so much. I hope, I hope they bring us back. I would love to, uh, I'd love to do uh, Bato. I miss him. You know, I'd love to play Lamb some more, so. All right. And with that, we're going to go back into the regular podcast.
Uh, okay, we're back from that interview, and it was awesome. Uh, I'm glad Richard made time out of his very, very, very busy schedule to, to do the interview. There was a lot of last-minute changes, but he did come on, and we did get the interview, so thank God. And thank, just, thank him. Yeah, thank you, Richard. I feel sorry for missing him because this is the second time in two years that I have, in three years, I think, that I have missed him. I missed him at Anime Boston 2011, and I missed him now, so I feel particularly bad. <laughs> We'll, we'll change that. <laughs> I have his phone number. You can call him. No. <laughs> because I, have so, be... I have randomly a lot of voice actors and people's industries like phone numbers. And I'm like, I've never worked with any of you. Why do I have your phone numbers? <laughs> <laughs> because for some reason, they actually like you. I guess. I don't know. Don't give him too much credit, Drew. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, he's a little bit campy. So, yeah. I, I think they do enjoy the camp. <laughs> they enjoy the camp. <laughs> We Don't killed you. Paul. We killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is dead. You, I hope you're happy with yourself, Darrell. Long live Paul. Paul is dead. I'm, I'm very happy that I'm I killed Paul. I'm, I'm still here. No, try... you're dead, Paul. I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm trying He's just to a living corpse. <laughs> I feel fine. I, like it. I really do feel like it right now. I'm like literally in my hand is methylatum. So when we get off of this goddamn podcast, I'm putting this methylatum on and going. So to basically you just caught what Zach had not too long ago. Somehow oh, no, through the internet. I don't have, like, the flu. I just have, like, a cold. You caught Whatever what I, I had did. last week, or was it, it the week before? Yeah, as I was going to say, Jose f***ing gave me his cold. Shell of pedantic bastard. Man, y'all like some f***ing zombies in <laughs> Next week, it's Darrell's turn to be sick if he's on the show. Yep. No! God, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I, I'm going to put that in here somewhere. God, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> no, God, please, no! 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 Uh, get off the podcast now. <laughs> um, Before I, I like die over my computer. I'm trying to think if we have anything else to to go ahead and say. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Tanami Podcast. You can uh, please Facebook.com slash Tanami Faithful Podcast as well. Yes, and please remember to subscribe and rate the podcast. And I guess Not it's rape. time. Rate. Rate. I said rate. <laughs> rate. With a T there. There's a T there. There's a T there. Anyways. Did you say titties? No, what? You did say titties. No, I didn't. Rewind the podcast. You won't it won't it's not been there. Okay. Actually if you play the Richard Epgar interview backwards, it's actually uh it's actually Monica Real. So it's really weird. I didn't think of that. You're just taunting me now. I am. I I just really wanted to get to Jim. It is time to go ahead and tell everybody where we can find each other uh, and where everybody can find us. So, uh, Jim, what is your credit card number, your address, your... (laughs) I must have won something. Your sister's cell phone number. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I told you to stay away from my sister. Uh, Where can everybody find you, man? Um, you can find me at zero alucard twenty seven z e r o a l u c a r d two seven. Also, that just so happens to be my Xbox live screen name. So, if you want to play some Halo Four or some Borderlands Two with me, come find me. I'm always open for a game. Do you want to play Halo Three? I don't have Halo Three. God damn it! <laughs> Why um, did I tell you? I said I was going to tr- do my best to try and bring you a copy of Halo Four. I know, but still, I like Halo Three. Yeah, because I'm cheap. <laughs> I figured they'll never shut down these servers. I'll stick with this one. Not che- not cheap enough to buy that gunbuster off of me, though. <laughs> no, that that's different. 
Um, uh, Darrell, it's your turn. Where can everybody find you, stalk you, and you know, where's yeah. your address, credit card, social? Oh yeah. Um, first three numbers, <laughs> dot 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 dot. Last four digits, social security number, right there. Oh yeah, but you can find me at Ukami underscore samurai seven at twitter.com and you can also find me on derail maddox at tsunami faithful.com shut the f- up paul don't say one damn thing about my email <laughs> i wasn't gonna say anything i was Sick. gonna say for derail i was gonna say for derail yeah my social is uh s-u-c-k-m-y-a-s-s forensics <laughs> <laughs> i hate you <laughs> Um, everybody can find me at J-E-A-R-G-U-M-E-D-O on Twitter. Uh, same thing on Tumblr, J-E-A-R-G-U-M-E-D-O. Argumento uh, was his name Argumento <laughs> was my name Um, <laughs> and, uh, I have a Facebook that you don't have access to. And I'm trying to remember if I have anything else. I think that's it. I'm on the forums a lot and, and in the chat, you know. <laughs> yes, you guys are. Um, yeah, we all find saying something wrong. <laughs> find me at Paul Pascrillo on Twitter. Uh, my last name is spelled P-E-S-C-R-I-L-O. Um, you can also find me at Toonami News. Uh, still more subscribers than Jose as usual. Anyways, and then you can find me on the website with the username TFAdmin. I do come on every once in a while when these guys are like, hey, we're, we're going after this guy. I'm like, oh, God, let me come no, on. We're not. Guy. We never do that. <laughs> I don't I don't even do that stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, I might cuss some of the people out that's on there, but hey, that's that's just me, though. Yeah, Darrell has cussed people out on there. I've never done that. <laughs> I've done that but to But the thing is, I've they done that to Duke. Though. They think it's funny, though. No, I've done that to Duke a couple of times, I think, and that's it. But Duke no, is I, like, it's because Duke knows me and it's funny. But Duke knows me. I mean, I cuss out RT, Lockwood. I cuss out Duke. I cuss you out. I cuss Paul out. I cuss people that I don't know out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I noticed. That's exactly what I try not to do. I try and keep it as professional as possible on here, but <laughs> piss ass bitch. <laughs> um so with that, I so think- that's gonna be a long bleep. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Finally, someone besides me has a long unedited bleep. Yeah, right. I, kinda, I was going for the Dead Man Wonderland record, and I think I beat it. No, not no. close. <laughs> the rail still has it. One of these days, I'm going to... No, I think beep. I actually have the record. I actually, I think I hold the record, because uh, there was one episode where I just said f- 56 times, and I counted. <laughs> yes, but the 10-second bleep that no one knows what I said is still epic. That is still epic. Um, well, anyways, I think it's time to get out of here, so... It is time to get out of here. So we'll talk to you guys higher. next time, and hopefully I won't be sick and almost slumped over my computer next time. So, for the podcast, peace and we're out. It's time for Not Stories from Japan, because we're not doing that this week. Uh, since we're about to dry that segment a little dry, we thought we'd do something else. Uh, what you and, uh, what the audience might not know about me and Darrell is that we agree on a lot of shit. We really yes. do.
Yeah, especially when it's not Toonami related. So we decided to come up with a little segment here at the end of the podcast. Uh, every once in a while, we're not going to do it every week, but we call it. Uh, wait, 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 wait! Is it is it called that can't be feel? No. Oh, okay. And go f- yourself. Like you can't let me have. <laughs> you can't let me do the intro for like five seconds. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm gonna die over here. Excuse me for a minute. <laughs> when you kill over, just make sure you put the um nexus in the wheel for me. Yeah, just make sure you hit the mute button when you die. Um Oh <laughs> Anyways, uh we are doing Japanese music showcase. Uh we're gonna go ahead because me and Darrell listen to actually a lot of the same music, not just soundtracks from anime, but we actually listen to Japanese pop artists in Japan. Um and we, we, we trade albums here and there. We we, we share a love of just that type of music. I mean, we are both big fans of uh, Dujibus, Shingo 2, uh, Rip Slime. But the album we're going to be talking about today, uh, a little album I sent him, uh, one that I happen to have discovered in Japan, it's called She Loves You. Uh, no, it's not the Beatles album. Ah. <laughs> so. I was about to, I was Sorry, about to folks. Too. I know. Sorry. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Yui is, uh, if you watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I think that it's not the intro that's running now, but it's the first intro in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. She sings the song again. Again and again and again. Damn it. It's very confused, especially when you have voice commands and you're trying to get that song to come up and you're, the voice command is play track again and it just repeats the song. Again, again. Yeah. Shut up, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, damn dirty announcer. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the album, the album is, uh, it's a Yui album, but it's very odd because it's, it's basically a tribute album. It's all these popular Japanese artists uh, coming together and covering her music uh that she's done over the years um and just i want to get i want to get your thoughts on it darrell i've actually i've actually held out on uh hearing your thoughts on the on the album oh yeah like um when you told when you gave me the album you know i really loved um again by stereo pony man they really just blew it out of the water yeah i'm i'm a huge yui fan and even i have to say i think stereo pony did it better than she did Yeah, I, I really didn't want to admit it, but then when I like listened to them side by side, I was like, you know what? Stereo Pony actually got something here better than Yui. And I was like, oh, God, man. I was like, am I betraying Yui by saying this? But hey, if somebody can take, you know, the original song and then just do something that much better with it, that's a huge compliment because they did. They really did do the song justice. Uh, but that's not even the best track, in my opinion. I think the best track is by Scandal, who, oddly enough, does the third, fourth, maybe? I think it's the... Um, How Crazy, right? Yes, How Crazy. Uh, they did the third or fourth uh, ending for Full Metal Alchemist called Shukan Sentimental. Yeah. And they they knock that track out of the park. I mean, Scandal is one of my favorite Japanese rock bands out there, and they they just they just own that song. That is their song now, every time I think of How Crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, they owned it like a bitch, man. I'm talking about that was like some of that Rick Ross type stuff, like a boss. Oh, yeah. That is that is their song. I mean, how crazy is just... If you've ever heard the Yui original, it's, it's similar, but it just much softer, I guess, because Scandal goes out there and goes crazy with the song, no pun intended. Yeah, now, I forgot. I can't really read the kanji, but I forgot. Who was the group that did Rolling Star? Rolling Star was... Uh, Nakagawa Shoko. Yeah, I, I actually like that version too. It wasn't as good as Yui's, no, but it Yui's was still good. Yeah, Yui's better, but it was still good though. And you know, when I had my old cell phone, Rolling Star was actually one of my ringtones. <laughs> For those of you that are Yui fans and just like, I don't want to hear an album full of people singing Yui songs without Yui in it. Yui is on the album. Yeah. Uh, she, she's the very last track. She does uh, Cherry, Cherry, which is the bossa, it's kind of a bossa nova version and it's live. So she did this in concert. Yeah, that was really good. Sound quality good. But you know, I just really love Yui, man. <laughs> If you're if you're a Yui fan, you're gonna love this album because it's just all these artists came together and just just show how much they love this artist because uh, they they really do show their love with how how much effort they put into these tracks. I mean, um, Ide Ide Ayaka, uh, she sings Namidario, uh, and she like she sounds like she's gonna cry in that song. She just yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Knocked it out of the park, really. Dominates that song, man. I, like seriously, that song can bring that song can bring a guy to tears. It'll it'll destroy you. Yes, in a non-emo type of way, people. No, it's 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 from the heart. heart. Uh, the other one I think that is also kind of a heartbreaker is uh, Goodbye <clears throat> Days by Miwa. Yeah. Yeah, that one's another little bit of a heartbreaker. La, 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 goodbye The rest of them are okay. Like my help. generation is okay, but yeah. you know nothing really spectacular to write home about, though. Hello is fine. Dancing Dolls did a pretty good job, but it's I think a little too poppy for my taste. A little too much bubblegum. Yeah, need a little bit more depth to it. I remember you. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember that track right now. <laughs> uh, oh God! Wasn't, Shut up, Paul. Don't want to ask you for your opinion. Wasn't wasn't super memorable. 
No, I really wasn't. But um, if you guys want the album, it is available in CDJapan.com. You guys can order it from Japan. They'll get it to you as soon as possible. Um, I, I had the good fortune of picking up that album while I was in Japan, and I total fluke finding it. It came out, it came out I think, the day I came to Japan. So total fluke that album came out. I um, so much called it a fluke is uh, incredible good luck. Yeah. And at the same time, a Scandal album came out uh, called Queens Are Trump, which is awesome. awesome. And I've, I've I stood in the uh, – because in Japan, they still have – like, we, we had these before. Uh, they're not so much common now. But, you know, in Japan, they have the, the record, I guess, samplers where you can sit in a store, put on some headphones, and listen to an album. Yeah, nobody does that anymore. Not too many people do that anymore. Um, but you can you listen can do to the it whole at, thing. Yeah, you can kind of do it at Fye, man. That's probably like one of the few places I know that you can kind of still listen to music like that, yeah. or at least yeah, listen the, to a partial of it. The Fye near my house closed. So yeah, I, I know Barnes Noble you. still does it. Uh, but I I sat I sat the whole time listening to that album uh, in Japan. Like I sat in. Um, I forgot the name of the store, but it's it's there's a Starbucks inside of it. It overlooks uh, Shibuya Crossing, and, and that you, goddamn Starbucks, I tell you. Yeah, that that <laughs> go visit that Starbucks by the way in Shibuya Crossing. It's it's the one Starbucks I would totally recommend going. Because friends don't let friends drink Starbucks. Starbucks. Drink Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> no, 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 no. That one go to that Starbucks because um, oh god, this is about to turn into stories from Japan. Yeah, <laughs> but here we go. Uh, that that Starbucks uh, overlooks Shibuya Crossing, and for those of you that have never seen Shibuya Crossing, it's heavily featured in Lost in Translation. It is a giant old crossing, and when the lights when the lights turn green for pedestrians to go, to the Starbucks on the second floor has a perfect view, and it's just it's just really weird to see so many people just crowd the street. It's like kind of like watching the ants, man. Oh, it is. It's 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 really weird, especially when. I had I had another good fortune. It was raining, so everybody had their umbrellas out, and it was just this parade of umbrellas. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I sat I sat in that store. I forgot the name of the store. It is some huge giant record DVD, like it's it's like seven stories tall, of just yeah. media, and sweet sweet hentai, and yep, horns <laughs> on, yeah. on the top floor. Yeah, he just yeah. goes. Uh, Jose just resigned himself to it, like, yep. <laughs> it's, it's it's on the top floor. You could tell where this one was though, because there's a big old sign that says "Hey," and it's also in English too. And there's also a curtain and everything, although the curtain is never closed. <laughs> so you're Logic, just like, who needs that? Yeah, I know. I'm like, that is pointless. Never close a curtain. Like I, I thought, like I thought, an empl- I thought I was doing an employee a favor. I closed it one time, and 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 then when I saw an employee go through, he just left it open. I was like, okay, pointless. Clearly, don't give a crap in this country. Um, but the um, but I, I sat I sat in that store and just listened to both those albums, Queens Are Trump and uh, and uh, She Loves You. So if you guys want to go check that out, order it from CD Japan. Uh, it is a great album, or you can listen to it on Amazon.com or .co.jp. You can listen to the samples there, and there are there are going to be samples peppered throughout this because that's how I edit. Yay. And you will have already noticed that. Um, so go pick it up, man. It's a great album. I mean, what? Uh, Darrell, you agree? Yes. Yes, I do agree with you on that. See, people, me and Jose don't fight all the time. We actually got a lot of stuff in common. Yeah. If you're a UE fan, it's a must, must buy. 
Um, and uh, if you guys like this segment, uh, we will we hopefully want to keep doing segments like this a- after the end of the podcast. So um, let us know if you like stuff like this. We'll definitely do. It's not just going to be stories yeah, from me Japan. and Jose, and it's not going to always be me and Jose. Yeah, I um, mean, sometimes I'm pretty sure uh, I know. Paul wants to do a nerdcore thing uh, to showcase artists, so that might that might be what this becomes after the podcast. Uh, so it, let us know if you like this kind of stuff, uh, and you know I think the next time if we if this does prove to be popular, I think the next thing we will do will be the scandal album that just came out, uh, which is called Queens Are Trump, and I don't have it yet. I will be importing that soon. But I will admit though, when Jose did say scandal, I was thinking about the um, group from the '80s. Uh, I am the warrior. <laughs> yes, it's an all-girl band. Exactly. By the way, hey, everybody on this album lie, is man. female. Just to yeah. just to clarify, everybody on the album is female. There is no sausage in here, so nope. it's not Oktoberfest. Nope. Same and same thing, I guess, goes for the next album we do if we ever do this again. So. We hope you like a show, a musical showcase from Japan. I have no idea what the hell I'm actually going to call this. Showcase from Japan. I don't know. Something. Japan showcase. Japan music <coughs> showcase. We'll go with that. Uh, J-pop music review? No, because we didn't really review them. No, we, just, no, we didn't. We just talked about it. Yeah, yeah that Japanese. J-pop picks? <laughs> actually, I like J-pop picks. J-pop picks. We're going with that. Congratulations, Jim. You did yeah. something. Shut Yay. up, Jim. You contributed. <laughs> Yeah, I'm special like that. Special, yeah, special Ed. <laughs> 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 All right, we think too much alike. We need to stop this. I know. Yeah, we people people you. don't don't realize how much alike we think. How much we actually have the same thoughts. Yeah, God forbid like, we should get the two of them in the same room together. Yep. God. Well, you know, considering that we're all going to be at MomoCon. Yeah. It's going to be kind of messed up, man. Because I'm really trying hard not. To- to be a wreck, man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do, man. I might even just be a loose cannon that day. Well, if you if guys, I got a press pass, I can't act up, though, folks. If you guys do see us at MomoCon and want to hear the album, I, I will have it with me on the computer, so you guys can definitely take a listen. Uh, I will, I will totally let you guys listen to it. So go. And I will let you see the tattoos I have on my butt. <laughs> oh, so we'll see you all at MomoCon. I guess is the entire point of the segment. Even though MomoCon's about three weeks away. But still. We'll see you there. And with that, uh, thank you all so much. Thank you all for the positive feedback on Stories from Japan. It'll come back, I promise. I just don't know when. Well, you kind of got a mini Stories from Japan this week. Yeah, you did. So, So, yeah. yeah, Be grateful. (laughs) And see, me and Jose actually do share things because I have been to Japan, so we can kind of agree on certain things. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing that I think to take away from this is that when we... We first started talking about music. It is astonishing how much we listen to. Uh, just, just like I mean, when we were talking about, we talked about I think Nujibus for an hour and a half. Just yeah, about we his did. Body of work. Yeah, like, and for those seriously. of you that don't know who Nujibus is, he was on the Samurai Champloo album. He, he, unfortunately, yes. is deceased now. Battle Cry, uh, yeah. Um, you know, basically February twenty sixth is coming up pretty soon. So, you know, I'll probably be rocking black that day for real, man, because <laughs> seriously, his music really did touch me a lot and it kind of helped me get through some things, too. Nujibis was a was a great artist, not to make this into a sour note, uh, yeah. but, you know, go check out his stuff. Um, well, we're just plugging everybody at this point. Go listen to the One Piece Again. podcast at OnePiecePodcast.com. Oh, God. <laughs> because it's campy. <laughs> 
Toonami Faithful approved. Okay, yes. with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and let it go. And thank you all so much for all the support. That's coming out soon, though. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Ellen oh, right hi. <laughs> I didn't realize you were on camera. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. Good, 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 good. Sorry, I'm looking for my cell phone. Anna was in the office this morning, and I think it's on silent. This is going to be an interesting blooper. I'm sorry. <laughs> ADD mind. I was like, oh, hey, I know her. Okay, sorry about that. Kick heart coming out soon. It's time for the ratings. Yes, the ratings. Does anybody have oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> like, you even have to ask anymore. I've been doing this for how many weeks now? Too many. 34. Too many. 34 is the correct answer. Um, Bleach. Go on. Uh, starts at 1,333,000. Actually, it's 1,033,000. <laughs> oh, did I say 300? Yes, you said 333,000. For someone who's 000. been doing this for 34 weeks, I f*** up a lot of takes. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Go on. Um, all right, so Bleach did 1,300,000. A. Bleach did... <laughs> you guys got it in my head now. Stop being left over here. This is why I'm not a voice actor.